Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, one half of blue and gold. It's only Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you, good sir? Rob Goodwin, my brother, I am phenomenal today, and uh, this is going to be an absolutely loaded show. We have so much to talk about. Before we record what Rob said, I think this is going to go two and a half hours. So that's the under over, folks. We shall see because we have three shows to talk about. We have Mayu versus Mina to talk about. And um, apologies to our Patreon listeners. We usually drop this first thing on Thursday morning. This is going to come to you a little bit later on Thursday evening. And the reason why is not only is Rob Goodwin a phenomenal, phenomenal author and a phenomenal talent, not only is he extremely handsome, but he does come up with some really good ideas from time to time, <laughs> folks. And what I mean by that is normally what we usually do is we, rec- we record Wednesday uh, Wednesday evening. So this way, again, for our Patreon members, it's their first, th- first thing Thursday morning. Well, Wednesday morning, he texted me and he said, hey, do you want to record later on Thursday? Because Thursday morning, they're going to drop the Cinderella brackets, and I'd like to talk about it. I said, Rob, absolutely. That's a great idea. Boy, howdy, buddy. Not only did they drop the Cinderella brackets, they released a whole ton of information. So uh, obviously, which we'll get into. So apologies to the Patreon members. Sorry for this is a handful of hours late, but I promise you it will be worth it. So, so much exciting stuff to talk about, my friend. However, I don't want to start the podcast on a, on a negative note, but I think it is worth mentioning that I would like to briefly discuss the passings of two professional wrestling legends this past week, uh, one in Ole Anderson and the other in Virgil. And what I like to do, buddies, I'm just going to say a few things about the two, and then I'm going to tag you in, and uh, you know, you can say whatever you'd like to say. But uh, Ole Anderson is somebody that I, I have a lot of tag team wrestlers, newer tag team wrestlers, that want to be like old school heels. You know, they don't want to. Sometimes they don't want to do all the crazy acrobatic stuff that it's really difficult to do. And they want to be crazy old school heels, and they'll ask me, what are some teams to watch? And I, one of them, I always say, is Ole and Arn Anderson. You know, obviously, Ole is one of the founding members uh, of the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, of course, Tully Blanchard. 
and I, you know, we talk about in the, the show a lot, especially on Oedo Tai matches, because Oedo Tai is the true heels of stardom. When we talk about cutting the ring off, and nobody in a tag match ever cut their ring off better than one Ole Anderson. He was really a mastermind on how wrestling and tag team wrestling should go when you have a clear baby face and a clear clear heel. They were really the ones that really helped Ricky Morton and uh, Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, perfect have perfect timing when it comes to the hot tags. So, you know, we always talk a lot about selling on the show, like, you know, how the way that Mayu is just a, a phenomenal seller. You know, I would say she's in the Ricky Morton level of selling. There's not too many wrestlers that are like that. And I always say Ricky Morton is easily the greatest seller in the history of professional wrestling. Ricky Morton does not get there anywhere near there if he did not have that really, really long program with Ole and Arn Anderson, just because of just the way that Ole was able to torture Ricky Morton in certain things. So, uh, yeah, it's a sad day that we lost Ole Anderson. And then also just a day or two uh, before we recording this, we lost Virgil. And uh, Rob, as you know, maybe some of our listeners know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I was a diehard WWF fan. It was really the only thing I watched. I'd watch some WCW or NWA from time to time, but I was a diehard WWF fan. And that Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase gimmick was absolutely, pun intended, money. I mean, just the <laughs> way that it was, it, you know, the way that it was uh, structured and whatnot. And that gimmick would have, wouldn't have gotten over to the degree that it did uh, without Virgil. Now, not, nothing to take away from the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who's one of the all-time great talents in the history of pro wrestling, but it would never have really uh, steamrolled right into the main event scene without one Virgil. And even the way they slow burn Virgil's babyface turn. I remember when I was very young, just kind of watching Superstars and Wrestling Challenge with my dad on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings. And he, he would even tell me, he's like, I can kind of tell Virgil's getting sick of the million-dollar man. I think there's going to be a, a big blow up here. And I'm like, Dad, you know, I'm five or six years old. I'm like, Dad, what are you talking about? And I just kept a close eye on it. And I was like, I've never seen a turn, you know, a baby face turn like that, that really had the slow burn. And Virgil did a great job, you know, uh, doing the big baby face turn. And then what they did is maybe about a year into his baby face run, they put him with Roddy Piper, which is, and that's instant, instant, you know, main event credibility. So it's really sad. You know, Virgil was only 61. And I think it was just yesterday, partner, me and you were texting. And I was telling you about a year and a half ago, I was on a show with Virgil. Virgil, obviously, he didn't work the show or do anything. He was just there uh, signing autographs and doing his merch table gimmick. And our merch table, me and Andy had our blue and gold. Our merch table was directly across from his and just able to watch, like, the master work the room. It's almost like sitting there trying to watch Ricky Steamboat in 89, 90 work a match, you know. You're watching him just the way he works. Who's he able to, you know, pull people in? And after everything was all said and done and the show was getting ready to, to, to start, me and Andy walked over there and we went to go shake Virgil's hand. And he couldn't even lift his arm up really all the way to shake to shake your hand. And you know how, like, when you go to shake your, you know, when you go to shake somebody's hand, you, you put your, you know, whole hand out almost like it's like a, like a fire hose. Poor guy couldn't even do that. Uh, like, his hand was, like, almost like shaking, like, almost like a limp, like, dish, dish towel. And you can tell he was in really, really bad health then. And then, you know, uh, I think about a year or so later that I read that, he, like, you know, he was you know, pretty much dead broke living in shelters, you know. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, to lose somebody, for to lose some, somebody that was so iconic to my childhood at just 61 years old. Not only that, but the fact that his quality of life couldn't have been good for the last two or three years. But these are two uh, two legends that'll you know, Noli Anderson and Virgil that uh, I've had so many great memories with, and um, you know, you know, as a child and even studying studying Oli Anderson as I got into the business. But those are two guys, my friend, that'll uh, live on forever. Yeah, for Virgil especially, 
it's it's a shame that yes you know the wrestlemania 7 moment one of the best moments of the early wrestlemanias you know huge pop um and you know a really good cathartic moment and way to cap off that storyline but it's a shame that in his later years he was sort of known more as you know a hustler and sort of you know doing anything for a book and when you look at his his later life and like i said living in shelters his health was was really bad and it's just a real shame that that's the point it got to um 61 really is no age now um when you consider we've got people living you know well into their 90s and things 61 feels too soon um you know ollie anderson one of the greats you know one of the pioneering forces as you said of the four horsemen you know great work with the nwa and wcw it's it's sad that we're living in a time now where obviously we're seeing all of these legends pass and uh, obviously you paid great test of the testament to them my friend and uh, obviously all that's really left for me to say is that uh, our thoughts and prayers and everything and good vibes are going out to the families of ollie anderson and virgil and uh, yeah may they rest in peace um Moving on slightly, as Matt has mentioned, this episode is going to be very news heavy. Um, we have got a whole whole raft of news and announcements to get to. Um, we've also got the Mayu Iwatani and Mina Shirakawa match from the New Japan New Beginning in Sapporo show from Friday the 23rd to talk about, as well as three shows from stardom itself so we've got lots and lots to talk about this serves me right for making a joke last week that oh it's a quiet week this week they've doubled down this week on the news um but before we get into any of that matt turner what is coming up on the patreon this week on the patreon earlier this week our alternate commentary that myself and one rob goodwin released was julia defending the world of stardom championship Against Suzu Suzuki from Supreme Fight 2023. Also, we released the roundtable discussion that I did with one Scotty Wrestling as to who had the better run in the five-star Grand Prix. Was it Sherry's 2021 or Julia's 2022? So it was always good to catch up with our good friend, one Scotty Wrestling. And also, it should be available either uh, later today or tomorrow. We did have a little bit of a windstorm uh, last night and knocked out some of the power. So I actually just talked to, talked to editor-in-chief Sean, so it should be up either Thursday or Friday uh, or maybe the weekend. So we did lose some power in my area. But our What If, the What If episode that um, I know a lot of our uh, Patreon listeners have been asking for us to do, I did What If with my tag partner and good friend Andy Header. Uh-huh. What if Team, team Blue and Gold were in current-day stardom when we basically – fantasy book if we were in current day stardom now you have to bear with andy just a little bit as uh, my portion is way much longer than his he's only been watching stardom for a handful of months but we're definitely going to have him back on the show maybe in three or four months maybe just to do a general chat and interview with both myself rob and andy because andy is always very entertaining now rob i just want to put some selling points out to this interview there is a portion in this what if that uh i book us in the Tokyo Dome with you as our manager. <laughs> oh wow! So I just want, uh, yeah, I just want to make that selling point. And, uh, and and Andy's very, he's very animated. He's very entertaining. But the, yeah, also he's a big fan of uh, of the heavy metal music scene as I am. And he made a really good point that I never thought about when he, he talked about American women's wrestling is very like, very much like the Metallica albums, Load and Reload. 
they're good. They're very good. But compared to Joshi, especially Stardom, the Stardom scene is very much like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. I really thought that was, I really thought that was a really good point that he brought out. He said he goes, I've been watching American women wrestling. He's like forever. And I always thought it was like some of the stuff was really good or excellent. You know, some of the other stuff was it is what it is. He's like, then I got into stardom, you know, based on listening to us on the podcast and just about, you know, I, I would always just talk him up about stardom because of how much I love this company, obviously. He's like, and then I started watching and I got hooked. <laughs> it's like, that was the first thing he said. He's like, Boy, load and reload are really good albums. But uh, if you have the time and you already have the uh, Master of Puppets Ride the Lightning right there, I recommend you listen to Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning. So again, <laughs> folks, I apologize for the delay, but that should be up again probably either Thursday or Friday. So always good uh, chatting with Andy and especially where we have a uh, very, very entertaining and uh, wild scenario as we book <laughs> Team Blue and Gold in current day stardom. And then next week on the alternate commentary, we will be doing the match for the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Champions as uh, one Sayori Poi, Soriano Natsupoi, who I, we're going to bring up a lot on this show. They defend against uh, Crazy Star, May Sarah, and Suzu Suzuki, and probably my top two or three favorite straight-up tag matches in the history of stardom. So, as always, my friend, loads and loads of fantastic stuff over up on our Patreon are, are released and will be released in the upcoming days. I've never once thought about Stardom as Metallica albums, but that might be the perfect comparison as Joshi to Master of Puppets as an album. It's it's perfect. It It's the quintessential essence of Joshi wrestling. I love it. Well done, Mr. Heather. Well done. Um, uh, just want to have a huge shout out to Mark Candlish, our newest Patreon member. He's joined the Red Belt tier at $5. Thank you, Mark. We massively appreciate it. And a special shout out to Steve Kaklamanos, who, of course, offered the suggestion of Andy and Matt being booked in current day stardom, which I still would love to see and the fact Matt that I have been robbed robbed I tell you of the chance of managing you in Philadelphia during Wrestlemania week is something that is going to wrangle me for many many years to come well it's weird because I technically on that Thursday I'm going to be having managing you your beer intake at the live (laughs) stardom cast podcast yes 7 p.m at Jack's bar and grill a five minute walk away from the ECW arena. Come on, come on, my man. <laughs> Absolutely. It's completely free to come and attend. Basically, consider it your stardom in Philadelphia after party. We'll be recording our show review there live with Sean, our editor in chief, comparing the event as well. We'll also have a little bit of a QA as well and just generally just mill around and talk to you all. Can't wait to see as many of you as humanly possible there. And I will do my best to remember it due to the significant amount of stardom cast beer that i will probably be consuming on that day and over the entire week matt so uh, yes you are going to have to look after me and kirsty is very adamant that you have to look after me as well because she she wants me back in something resembling one piece i think um right let 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 her know when we're done recording that my dad gene will 100 percent kick in so no (laughs) don't you worry about anything don't you worry about anything uncle mt is here And ladies and gentlemen, if you see me just, you know, passed out on the street, just just give me a gentle shake to make sure I'm still with it. That's all I ask. 
Or call me. Send me a DM. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just text Max. He's probably looking for me. Um, Right. So let's kick into the news. I'm going to get the one negative out of the way before we kick into the whole host of positives. Unfortunately, Lady C is out of action until the start of the Cinderella tournament. She suffered a laceration um, on the February 25th show in Tashigi. Um, Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. And as I've already said, she will be back in action for the opening night of the Cinderella tournament. But obviously, we wish her nothing but the best. And speaking of the Cinderella tournament, Matt, we have our brackets. We have our first round matches, and they are as follows. So, Cinderella round one. Hanan versus Hanako. Yuzuki versus Starlight Kid. Momokogo versus Zena, Koguma versus Ruaka, Saida versus Saki Kashima, oh, hiccups, Yuna Mizumori versus Lady C, Sayaka Karora versus Natsukatora, and Miyu Amasaki versus Rana Yagami. The temptation, of course, is to pick all our winners for that, but we will be doing our Bracketology episode next week and dropping it before this first round, which will be on the 9th of March. It is going to be a pay-per-view, Yokohama Budokan. It promises to be a fantastic card, and I'm going to get into the rest of the matchups in a moment. But Matt, obviously, those are your Cinderella first round matches. We'll talk about the second round shortly. But what matches immediately jump out at you there? Yuzuki Starlight Kid is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Momokogo, like, if you look at them, some of them, and now obviously we have upsets. But majority of these, I think we might do okay on predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that might be the hardest to predict is a returning Momokogo because he's come back with a lot of fanfare. Against the, uh, someone that just returned about a month ago in Xena, considering the fact that Xena, I think in a return match, pinned our beloved Hazuki. So that is one I'm gonna. I'm not sure who's going to win that one. But as far as if I could only watch one match from this first round, to me it would be Yuna versus Lady C. I championed the two of them so much just because of the improvement. And that's going to be Chop, Lariat, Chop, Big Boot, Lariat. Giant swing, chop, lariat, lariat for like four or five minutes. But those are the matches that all jump out to me. But it's nice that if you remember last year's uh, uh, opening night, you had like a lot of heavy hitters. You had like Tam versus Himika. You had Mayu versus uh, Saikamatani or Zumi versus Suzuki, etc. And of course, a lot of those matches were double count or double over the top rope, went three or four minutes. Where this one, it's again, it's a lot of the talent that it, the whole really field. There's a lot of talent that are basically, you know, mid-carders. So you're going to see a lot of the, this te- you know, especially with the rest of the card, and you'll, you'll talk about in a minute, partner. You're going to have a lot of eyes on a lot of these mid-carders and the rookies as well. So there's going to be a focus on pushing some of this talent to the upper top parts of the card. And a lot of any of these wrestlers can really steal the show or steal the first round of the Cinderella tournament. So I'm really excited to uh, not only watch it next week, but also to kind of figure out what our predictions are going to be as we do our official bracketology next week. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm excited for Yuzuki versus Starlight Kid. Yuzuki is one of those who definitely has improved in spades. She already started like a house on fire, and it's difficult to think that she's still technically in her first year as a wrestler. Um, I'm very excited to look at Sayurida versus Saki Kashima. That could be really interesting. But I'm actually really looking forward to Hanan versus Hanako. I think that could be a really, really tasty matchup. And I know, and I don't know if this is just because Scotty Wrestling's got in my head, 
But Hannon has to be a shout for this tournament. She has to be a shout for this tournament. Um, you know, she's already made mention of how she's, you know, the closest thing to the Cinderella. She did that closing speech in Toshigi. And then, of course, we had her sort of have a very, very, very brief stare off with um, the white belt champion, Cioriano. So maybe that's what they're teasing. Would I be disappointed if Hannon wins the tournament? Hell no. Absolutely not. I think it would be fantastic. Would I be disappointed if it was Hannon over Hazuki? Maybe a little bit, but I would be. I'd be fine with it if they played Hannon's old theme. That that would make me. <laughs> I was gonna go there. Would I know you, you feel would. a little bit better after Hannon pinned Suzuki. You would be like, oh, I thought it was Suzuki, and then all of a sudden, you three seconds of dead air, and then da 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 da. Are you ready? Yeah, I could just see like Rob like crying to his pillow and then poking his head up like a dog that just heard a bell or something. Like, what's that? What's that? I am ready. H A I am ready. I've been ready for a year, Dan. You Watch, it's the one year I'm not picking Azumi. I have I have been doing this podcast for four years. And for the last three, I have picked Azumi, I think, to win the uh, the tournament. Or the last two, sorry, I picked Azumi to win the tournament. This is the first year I'm not picking Azumi, and I guarantee she wins it this year because I haven't picked her. Again, not going to be disappointed if that does happen, but there we are. So, just to recap then, that is the ninth, okay, at Yokohama Budokan. There are other matches as well, but I just want to focus at the moment on the Cinderella because, as you know, there are some that were given buys into the second round. They were Amisori, Suzu, Suzuki, Mei Sakurai, Mei Seira, Mirai, Azumi, Hazuki, and Waka Tsukiyama. Um, they are actually in a uh, eight-way I think I think it's an eight-way um, match on that first night, but they are introduced into the tournament on the second day of this double header. So March 9th is the first round that will take place at Yokohama Budokan, presumably on pay per view. Not presumably, I think it is on pay per view. I think it's been confirmed. Day two is the following day, March 10th, and that is going to be at Corican Hall. So. Just to recap those matches, Hanan and Hanako, the winner of that match, will take on Mirai. Now, if you think, even if it's Hanako versus Mirai, that's a tasty match, but Hanan versus Mirai is a potential second round match? Yes, please. Um, the second one, Suzu Suzuki versus the winner of Yuzuki and Starlight Kid. Now, again, I don't want a fancy book yet. We are going to be doing our bracketology, but Starlight Kid versus Suzu Suzuki. Yes. All day, yes. Um, uh, the winner of Saya Ida and Saki Kashima will be taking on Meisera. Okay, so we could potentially have another rematch of that high-speed championship match. We've also got Amisori taking on the winner of Yuna Mizmori and Lady C. Um, later on in the bracket, and this is something that's very, very interesting, Hazuki will enter the tournament on day three, and she will be taking on the winner of Kogama and Ruaka. Ooh. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, I'm just kind of getting the, the wheels turning. I believe the semifinals of the 2022 Cinderella tournament was Kogama defeating uh, Hazuki. So, because hmm, I remember it was Mirai that defeated Kagama in the finals of that tournament two years ago. Wow. Now, last Ruwaka plays uh, 
racket buster, that could happen. That is very tasty, good sir. I would be very, very, very surprised if Mirai doesn't make it through to the to the final four again. I'd be very surprised. Um, uh, I do just want to go over the fact that we have had more matches announced because apparently just having the bracket wasn't enough. Um, so also what we have is the return, finally, of Natsupoi. The murder pixie is coming back to stardom. She's returning on the 9th of March at the Yokohama Budokan. Is she returning in just a throwaway match? No, not at all. She is teaming with her tag partner, Sayori Anu, versus, of all people, Sari and Chihiro Hashimoto. Now, Natsupoi and Chihiro Hashimoto had a phenomenal singles match in Sendai Girls. If you haven't already seen it, go and watch it. It's 12 minutes of absolute carnage. It's wonderful. This match, Matt of the entire tournament, uh, sorry, this entire card of the opening night, should I say, this is the match I am most looking forward to. This is going to be brilliant. I, it, I'm going to throw a loaded question at you, my friend, and you can literally just say TLD and tap out and we're done with it. But like, what are you most excited for in this match? Not to poise return. The fact that she's teaming with Suryanu and obviously Sayori Poi, they had a great run with the Goddesses Stardom tag belts, never lost them because of Natsupoi's injury. Are you most excited for that Sari is finally, finally coming to stardom? Are you excited that Shinhira Hashimoto is making her first match back in stardom since that brutal match she had last April with Shuri? Are you most excited that Sari and Shinhira Hashimoto are tagging? Are you most excited for the match? Like, whoa, what? Like, there's so many different, like, things to get excited for. And just that match, like, what is the one thing you're most excited for? Oh, God. Um, a little from column A, a little from column B, I think, my <laughs> friend. Um, like, I'm so excited to see Natsupoi back because I didn't realize just how much I missed Natsupoi until she wasn't on these cards. She brings such a completely different energy to everything. Obviously, she brings a completely different energy to Cosmic Angels, who will finally be back to full strength once Natsupoi returns. Um, the fact that she had what was you know, a breakout tournament, and we're going to be talking about that, obviously, in one of our later retrospectives. Um, the fact that we didn't really get to see anything after that because of this injury and because she's been out for so long. I think I'm just looking forward to seeing her in the ring again. The fact that we have her teaming against Sari, who I'm just incredibly excited to see in a stardom ring, throwing hands with Poi and, of course, with Sioriano. But Chihiro Hashimoto has not missed in stardom. Every match she has had, whether it's against Himika, whether it's against Mariah, whether it's against Suri, she did not miss at all in those three singles matches. So to have her, and again, if you have not seen that Sendai Girls match between Poi and Jihiro Hashimoto, go and check it out because it is absolutely tremendous. So that is coming up. Just quickly jumping back to the bracket, um, there are a couple of people left, of course. We've got that double header on the third, uh, sorry, the ninth of the third and the tenth of the third. Most of those matches I've gone through. Um, Mirai, of course, will take on the winner of Hanan and Hanako on the tenth of March. Suzu Suzuki will take on the winner of Yuzuki and Starlight Kid on the tenth of March. Meisera will take on the winner of Saki Kashima and Sayurida on the tenth, and Amisori will take on the winner of Lady C and Yuna Mizumori. However, on the 16th 
of March. May Sakurai will take on the winner of Miyu Amasaki and Rani Yagami. I would argue that's probably the lock of the first round, um, followed closely by this one. On the 16th of March, Azumi will take on the winner of Natsukatora and Sayaka Kurora. I'd argue that those two are probably the locks of the tournament. Um, and as I've already mentioned, um, Hazuki will be taking on the winner of Kogama and Ruaka. So uh, that is your first and second round brackets. Um, we have got a full card announced for that pay-per-view on the 9th of March, and it is a doozy, folks. So as well as all of the first round matches from the Cinderella tournament, as though the return of Natsupoi in that tag match with Sioriano against Sari and Chihiro Hashimoto wasn't big enough, as though a future of stardom championship match we're just throwing on that card, Rina making her next title defense against Miran, who, if you remember, was the 14-year-old girl from Diana who impressed everyone. She is having an attempt at Rina's um, Future of Stardom Belt. That's on this card. Listen to this for a multi-woman tag. Aphrodite versus EXV, Micah and Mina Shirakawa, versus Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakano. Just take a moment, Matt, to think about the star power in that match. But we're not done. We're not done. We have then got a six-woman tag on top of that, which is acting as a New Japan Strong Women's Championship prelude match. Julia, Suri, and Konami making her return versus the team of Momo Watanabe, Fukikin Death, and CMLL Stephanie Vaca making her first appearance in stardom since 2018 because on the 10th, of March in Corican Hall, Julia will make her title defense of the Strong Women's Championship against the number one contender, Stephanie Vaca. Um, this card um, is relatively stacked. Obviously, we've also got that eight-way match. I think it's eight. Am I miscounting? One, two, three, no, four, five, six. Right. It is an eight-way. Um, so, you know, that card, as well as having the tournament on there, we've got a title match and two multi-woman matches that are going to be fantastic, just because Fuki can death is in it. Um, on that second night, then, we have got not the full card, but we have got, as I've already mentioned, um, four round two matches. Mirai versus the winner of Hanukkah and Hanako. Um, uh, Suzu Suzuki versus the winner of Yuzuki and Starlight Kid. Meisera versus the winner of Saeeda and Saki Kashima. Amisori versus the winner of Yuna Mizumori and Lady Siba. On top of that, finally... For the first time since July, Aya Sakura will also be returning from injury, which, Matt, will mean that at that point, with Lady C being on that card, finally, Stardom have cleared the backlog of that absolutely horrendous spate of injuries that they had at the end of 2023. They will finally have a full-strength roster. Um, which is exciting in itself. But these two cards, man, what are two cards? Yeah, you know, I made mention about a week or two ago that I really think that they need to do a Micah and Mina versus Mayu and Tam, just because Mina was the number one contender at the time for Mayu's IWGP, IWGP championship, and clearly they're building up to a Micah versus Tam red belt match, and Tam never lost the belt, so the story is easy, is easy there. So Stardom must have listened to this podcast and said, you know what, fine folks at Stardom Cast, I love that idea of Tam and Mayu 
versus me and Micah. But however, hold my beer. We're going to add another team. Not just another team. Not just the goddess of stardom taking champions, but the best tag team in all of wrestling and one Utami Hayashisa and Saya Kamatani. Like, really stardom. Like, what, Demolition wasn't available? Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, this, is, this is just unbelievable. Then you look at that six-person tag match. Obviously, the main crux of that match is going to be Julia and Steph Vacker as they're going to build up their match the very next night in Cork and Hall. But, I mean, there's so many of, you know, obviously the returning Konami. We're going to have more Momo versus Shuri violence. Fukin Death is always entertaining. I mean, I would think she would be the one eating the fall here. But at the same time, you might want to get Steph, Steph Vacker over. So maybe it's Konami. So I don't know which way they're going to go with that. But regardless, that's going to be a fantastic match. Moran versus Rena. Obviously, we'll talk about Rena towards the end of the show. She had a, another phenomenal Future of Stardom championship match with uh, Miyu Amasaki. So, just a lot of loaded stuff here. Now, obviously, Rob, this card on 3 9 is a uh, pay per view. It's Yokohama Budokan. It's a big, big show. What's the main event of this show? Just because I'm looking at the Cinderella tournament, and no disrespect to any of these matches, but I don't think any of the matches in the Cinderella is going to main event. To me, it's either going to be that uh, that three way uh, six person to are the uh, three way tag match or the returning um, Natsupoi match. What, in your opinion, do you think is going to main event this show on three nine? It's a very good question, actually. I was thinking about this earlier when I should have been doing my work. Um, Good man. Good yeah, man. You know. Look at that, folks. Loyal to the podcast. <laughs> priorities, man. Priorities. Um, That's what I was looking for. <laughs> no disrespect to Rena and Moran. I know it's a title match, but I don't, I don't see that main eventing. It, I doubt it's going to be the eight-way. I'd be very surprised if it's the eight-way. I think you're looking at either the multi-woman tag Aphrodite versus EXV versus Mayu and Tam, or you're looking at Sioriano and Natsupoi. I would think that with it being Sari's first match in stardom, um, with it being Natsupoi's return, you know, she's been out since, what, late August? Uh, sorry, late September. So I think I think it'll probably be Sioripoi versus Sari and Chihiro Ashimoto. If it's not that, I think it'll probably be the... Uh, the multi-woman tag. Um, no disrespect to the Julia, Siori, and Konami match. You know, I don't think they're going to have Fuki and Death in the main event of the pay-per-view. Um, no you of all people. You of all people, segment. Look, I mean, if... Look, it's a double-edged sword for Fuki and Death. Fine. Okay, they don't put her in the main event. But if this pay-per-view doesn't sell well, Matt, she know, you, you know how to make more money. Put the clown in the main event. Um... How do you? So I've seen, and I can't remember who it was. There was there's someone on our Patreon, and I know that there is also quite a few people on social media that have said about the Cinderella tournament this year lacking star power. Um, and though I can see what they mean, obviously there's no champions, no Utami, no Saya, no Micah, no Mina, no Mayu, no Tam, no Julia, no Siori, um, no Momo. I I understand that. However. If you are going to use the Cinderella tournament as this next step up to the main event, and we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast, don't forget, you know, for lack of an in inverted commas main event talent, you've still got Hazuki, Azumi, Mirai, and um, Starlight Kid in this Suzu. tournament, as well as Suzu Suzuki, as well as Hanan. 
So there is still main event worthy talent in there. Yes, it might not have the name value on, on first viewing. However, I like the fact that this is being used to elevate people in the mid card. Okay, let's put the focus on those people. Okay, use the five star Grand Prix to get your main event talent over. Okay, think Damn of right. this as your new Japan Cup. Okay, so in the you know, think about when Zack Sabre Jr. won it in the first year. Okay, the first year that he won it, should I say? Okay, he was a mid card talent, fantastic wrestler, but mid card talent. He's elevated them by winning that tournament, goes on to have a fantastic match with Okada at Sakura Genesis. Okay, let's use this tournament to elevate your Hannans or your Hazukis or your Saeedas, okay, up to that white belt, that white belt scene. That's what I want to see. If it's just another tournament for the main event, you know, it doesn't really differentiate itself ultimately from the five-star Grand Prix. Okay, let's make these two as separate to each other as humanly possible. And I like the way they're doing that. It also, it makes these people, it makes these women step up. Okay, they have got no choice. They have got to step up. The focus is on them. They haven't got a Mayu or a Tam or a Suri or a Julia to sort of lean on as name value. They have got to step up. And we know from, you know, countless matches in the Stardom canon that all of these women can step up when given the nod. My only real um, surprise when it came to omissions was Mina Shirakawa. I'm surprised Mina isn't in that group, but does that bother me? No, not really, because now we're having a conversation where Hannon might win this tournament legitimately, and we're all like, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Hazuki might win this tournament. Azumi might win this tournament. Okay, Momo Kogo might go deep in this tournament. It might be Rani Yagami. It won't be. But, you know, we are having those conversations, and it's a chance to shine the spotlight on other talent, and I think that is what the Cinderella tournament should be about. And just, I'm looking at the bracket now. Hazuki versus Hannon will have to happen before the final. They're in the same oh. side of the bracket. So on the one side of the bracket, you have got Mirai, Hannon, Hanako, Starlight Kid, Yuzuki, Suzu, Suzuki, Wakasuki, Amazina, Momokogo, Kogama, Ruwaka, and Hazuki. That is a stacked side of the bracket because if you're talking about finalists you're talking about favorites mirai has to be in the conversation hanan starlight kid suzu suzuki and hazuki that's five people only one person can go out of that side of the bracket okay that's going to lead to some really 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 tasty matchups hanan and hazuki won't meet each other until the semi-finals okay so that is if that happens that won't happen until the 20th of march which is the cinderella final on the other side of the bracket, you've got Meisei, Rasaki, Kashima, Saeeda, Yuna Mizumori, Lady C, Amisori, Azumi, Sayaka Karora, Natsukatora, Miyu Amasaki, Rani Yagami, and Mei Sakurai. Now, for me, that side of the bracket, if it's not Azumi, someone has got to step up. I mean, I'm I'm overlooking Natsukatora, who is a, a Cinderella tournament finalist in her own right. But someone else is going to have to step up in that bracket because whereas you've got the five favourites in one side, this side, you've got to say, aside from, what, Azumi, Amisori, maybe, and Meisera, 
the chance is there for someone. The chance is that I mean, we are we are looking at a potential Hazuki Azumi final, which is very, very exciting. But the fact that on that, as I'm looking at it right hand side of the bracket, that's very, very exciting, Matt. Here's something too you have to think about. You think about this in a business aspect. We I we talk a lot about how special the talent Azumi is. Obviously, we'll probably get into it towards as we're building towards more and more news on this show. Is you're thinking about your final four is the last pay per view of the of the tournament. You have to sell pay per views. You have to sell tickets. YouTube subscriptions, Stardom World subscriptions, yada yada yada. On that bracket, Azumi's probably going to make the final four. And I, hopefully, I don't jinx it because obviously we love Azumi. You pick Azumi every year. So Azumi is somebody you're going to want to push to get into that final four. Plus, Azumi's coming over to Chicago for the New Japan show, which I know we'll cover in a little bit. So you're going to want to have a nice spotlight on her, and then you're shooting her over not only to the States, Rob, not only for New Japan show, but I always talk about the four or five like really hardcore cities for professional wrestling, the quote-unquote smart fans. I always say it's it's uh, Philadelphia, it's Boston, it's New York, and it's Chicago. Those are like the four most rabid, hardcore fans. They really, really know their stuff. They appreciate great wrestling. Azumi and Mina are both going to get over like a million dollars there. This is a great opportunity to spotlight Azumi and either have her in the semifinal, in the final, or maybe win the whole thing. And then you turn around in just a few weeks' time, you're going to have her on a big show in Chicago. So it's a really good chance that Azumi does make the final four. Or maybe, Rob, maybe even a broken clock's right twice a day. Maybe for the first time in four years, (laughs) you got the right pick and it is Azumi. Not that I want to sway your pick, folks, but Rob's pick. Obviously, we will be doing our full bracketology next week where it will not only be myself and Rob doing our picks, but our significant others will do their picks as well. And as usual, they'll probably wipe the floor with us. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm just, I'm, I'm still looking at this bracket, and genuinely, I've got sort of a final four in my head because you look at that right hand side of the bracket. Azumi, if she wants to make it through to the semi-final, she's got to go through either Sayaka Karora, Natsukatora, Miyu Amasaki, Rani Yagami, and Mei Sakurai. If you are looking at a potential semi-final, that's the side of the bracket you want. Because if you go past Natsukatora, really, there's no stopping you getting through to the semi-final. And then who who could you potentially have? I mean, Maysera versus Azumi as a semi-final. Sayaida versus Azumi. Mm, very, very tasty. And obviously, we'll know a little bit more. Next week, we will give both our bracketology and our full preview of that first night, 9th of March, which is a week on Saturday as we record the 9th of March, Yokohama Budokan. Um, It's definitely a pay-per-view that is worth your time, um, not only for the first round of the Cinderella tournament, but also the return of Natsupoy and two rather star-studded multi-women matches as well. Um, Rob, quick question. Do do you think that show on the 10th is going to be a live YouTube stream or a pay-per-view at a discounted price like they did prior. Because I think they should they, they might be able to capitalize on all this really positive press that they're getting after they're announcing this Cinderella tournament. I kind of just want to get your your idea. You have, you know, obviously Julia probably going to be in the main event. You have round two of this tournament, um, the Cinderella tournament. You think it would be wise for them to make this a two-night pay-per-view with the second night being a discounted price? 
they've done it before. Um, I, hmm. I like the fact that they're loading a Corican again. You know, that's that's something that I was big into at the end of 2023 and something that I wanted to happen when it came to 2024 was to put more of a spotlight on Corican. So, yes, absolutely. We saw with the Tashigi show that they are looking at more live streaming. Um, they did put the Tashigi show very briefly on YouTube, live streamed it to YouTube from, uh, from one camera, which was... Uh, quite far away so if you watched it with that camera then uh, fair play to you because it was it was not diff- it was very difficult sorry to uh, to watch using that but it wouldn't surprise me i mean maybe it's a youtube live stream maybe but no i think if you're going to do it it'll be it'll be a pay per view i would have thought um because they won't want people waiting long for that show to go up on stardom world either i wouldn't have thought so we'll see. We'll see. Um, you mentioned it, Matt, of course, Azumi being, you know, they might want to spotlight Azumi. And that's because on April 12th at the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, we have some stardom representation at Windy City Riot. And that stardom representation is in the form of Azumi and Mina Shirakawa. So they will be. Um, on the Windy City Riot card, Friday, April 12th in Chicago. Very, very exciting, Matt, but that was made even more exciting by what looks like some money on the card. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. Now, before I get into my point, I'm going to go all over here, but you'll I'll cover all the bases. We love Rossi Ogawa on this show, folks. We, I mean, he's one of the greatest bookers ever in wrestling, regardless of you know, Japan, female, male, you, you got to give the guy his due. You got to give the hat man his due. He's one of the best to ever do it. And he's going to continue to do it. And his new promotion, I know it's going to be a smash, but let's call it like we see it, brother. The last three or four days, the new brass at stardom. Holy geez. They're off to a heck of a start again, between what they're giving us on these two Cinderella cards on the ninth or the 10th and the 10th. The fact that we have Azumi and Mina Shirakawa, both coming to uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, just you know, just as the snow is starting to melt over there in the Windy City. But the fact that Mercedes Monet is uh, back to her old tricks again, and I absolutely love it. It was only mere minutes after New Japan announced that both Mina and Azumi would both be on this car that Mercedes Monet uh, did her old Twitter tricks and uh, kind of poked the bear a little bit with Mina and then poked the bear a little bit with Azumi and then Azumi properly responded back by saying something along the lines of, I guess you know how to say my name now. Uh, Mercedes Monet, I'm not sure if you saw, she's actually currently in Japan being in a, I think she's uh, presenting an award for like Anime Con or something like that. And um, anime, my daughter would kill me, Anime Con. And uh, her her and Amina Shirakawa uh, met up, took some photos, which really uh, got one AEW star, Mariah May, a little bit jealous. So uh, yeah, I really think obviously it's no secret that Mercedes Monet will be debuting in AW soon on that Boston show. I mean, it's, it's probably the worst kept secret since the CM Punk return a few years ago, and rightfully so because they sold a whole bunch of tickets. But the way that I think that it's going to go, and from some of the people that I know over in AW, that I, and again, I'm not 100% sure, the way that we think it's going to go is that Mercedes is going to kind of be on the Brian Danielson AW deal, where it's like, yes, her main thing will be AW but she's still going to work some New Japan slash stardom dates. So uh, very interesting things, considering the fact that two or three weeks ago, 
everybody on social media, the sky was falling. Stardom is going out of business because, Rob, I don't know if you know this, sometimes wrestling fans can go a little bit overboard on social media when it comes to wrestling. But, uh, man, this is exciting news all around. And the fact that we may be getting somewhere down the line a Mina versus Mercedes match and a one-on-one Azumi versus Mercedes match. Um you know, it's going to be uh, really, really interesting. And I'm super excited to see Mina and Azumi in front of a hot, hot Chicago crowd. Because I always say that I think Azumi is somebody that's completely different than any other wrestler on the planet. And I mean, she really is a special talent. And uh, I think people's minds will explode when they see Azumi and Mina. I hope they get like singles matches and they just don't put them in a tag. So this way we get to see two different starter matches on the show instead of one. Um, I know Steph Backer. Correct me if I'm wrong, partner. I believe she's announced for that show. So maybe we get an Azumi for Steph Vacker match. That would be something. Yes, she is announced for that card. You're absolutely right. Um, and Ma, I don't know how you dare call wrestling fans reactionary. That's not true in the slightest. Um, not me and you, buddy. Not me and you. You know why? Because we graduated high school a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it could well be some sort of tag. Um, it could well be um, Mercedes Monet versus AZM, um, as she keeps calling Azumi, um, on, you know, in singles action, maybe the singles match we didn't get because we had that fantastic three way at Sakura Genesis last year. Who knows? But very, very exciting to see even more stardom representation on New Japan cards, which when you think that we've already had Starlight and Ruwaka appear on the CMLL tour, we've just had Mina, uh, Mina Shirakawa versus Mayu for the IWGP women's title on the New Beginning and Sapporo show. And now we have got Azumi and Mina appearing on the Windy City Riot card and let's not forget the announcement of historic crossover 2024 that is happening this year it's nice to see stardom getting this cross promotion that i thought we would have gotten more of when bushy road purchased stardom back in 2019 so it's nice to see this because we've seen from Julia appearing in TNA. We've seen from Mayu appearing on New Japan Strong Cards. We've seen the reaction that stardom wrestlers get. People know who they are. People pop for them. They get great reactions. So it's great to see the likes of Azumi coming over and Mina coming over and being able to get that reaction. Because, you know, Mina's been over before. She was over for Rumble on 44th Street. I don't think Azumi has been to the US since the new York 2019, show. right yeah i think you're right and i people said they're gonna explode when they see her i think you're right because she didn't if i'm thinking about all these u.s shows it's been julia mayu a lot of julian mayu obviously because the iwgp champions mina waka i think that's it buddy i Ma- think that's it momokogo Oh, duh. yeah, of course. Of course. That's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> not not just a pretty face, folks. Not a pretty face, just full stop. Um, <laughs> Just having a look now, because I'm intrigued. Now. Why did you play yourself down? I, I, literally put you, I literally put you over. It was like we hit the tag finisher, and I'm like, Rob, you get the pin. Not only did you not get the pin, you laid down and put the opponent that we knocked out on top of you. <laughs> um, uh, no, Azumi wasn't on that card. The New York one? Azumi wasn't on that card. She'd never wrestled in the States before. I don't think so. Yeah, because Stardom have never wrestled. Obviously, the Philly show will be their first US show since then. So, uh, and I don't think Azumi's done a spot in 
like an independent spot in the same way Utami did. So yeah, this will be her first her first time in the US. Well, unless of course she's on the uh, what's it show? She's on the um, Philly Mania. Philly Mania show. This yeah. does sort of lend itself, of course. You know, if we're talking back to the uh, to Rossi's promotion, the uh, the split that is incoming at the end of March, which we're rapidly approaching because when. Uh, the vast majority of you are listening to this. It will already be March, which is quite scary when you think about how quickly this year is going. I think this does indicate that both Mina and Azumi are going to be staying with Stardom. As, you know, we've sort of been led to believe that Stardom contracts are out um, at the end of March. This show is April 12th. I don't think they'd be advertising talent that they weren't absolutely 100% sure was still going to be with the company, especially in the wake of the split that's going to happen. So it looks, and again, we have nothing confirmed, it looks like Azumi and Mina, alongside Tam, are going to be staying with Stardom, Matt. Yeah, I was literally the next thing I was going to say that they, yeah, they wouldn't be putting them on that card, you know, they flying them over, putting them on a card if they were leaving. So, yeah, it looks like Mina, Azumi, again, purely speculation. I speculated this last week. Sai probably staying because of the new merch. It actually just dropped, I think, either last night or this morning. It's not new merch from Stardom. It's new merch from one of the big companies that advertises with Stardom. You can see it all over the apron. I think it's called, like, HTTP Zero. And not only is it Sai merch, it's Utami merch. Mm. It's both them single. And of course, Rob, as soon as somebody sent me the link, you know I bought myself a new Sayakamatani <laughs> and a new Utami <laughs> Ice Sister Sir. Yeah. So uh, I was like, absolutely, I got to buy them. But then I was kind of thinking, because I wasn't really sure. I figured Saya would have stayed. And again, this is purely speculation because they really seem like they're going to earmark a Micah versus Sayakamatani or another match for the Red Belt somewhere down the line. I really think they want Saya to be their ace for the new Bushi Road produced stardom, which is not a bad thing. But now well, it's a great thing, actually. And then obviously, Azumi looks like she's staying. Mina's staying. It looks like Hazuki's probably going to stay because Hazuki was very adamant that she wanted to wrestle in the States, especially on this show coming up in Philly. So my guess is that Hazuki's staying. Uh, that probably leads where, you know, what Utami's going to do. Again, if they're building new merch for Saya and Utami, and again, this is what I made mention last week, and you made mention, well, maybe it's just merchandise for a month, and then once it sells, it sells, and then they're gone, or they're still sell it while they're there. Now completely, and I didn't know this until this morning or last night, or no, it couldn't have been last night because I lost power. When I read it this morning, that it's not Stardom Produce Merchandise. It's one of their sponsors. And I'm sure one of the sponsors, if they're selling these t- these shirts at $42 before shipping, by the way, um, <laughs> so if they're selling these shirts and these hoodies, I don't think they'd be none too thrilled if, oh, by the way, this person is out in two or three weeks. So it is a good possibility that one of my wishes for Utami, Sai, and Izumi to stay in the same company, that may happen. Again, it's speculation. We don't know. Obviously, we know that Julia, is, She's. I'm sure you'll get into that. She's Jesus. more than gone. Yeah, she's more than gone. She's really playing into her character, I guess, of, uh, of being the biggest tweener in the history of stardom. Love it. But it's look, it looks like there's more and more unfolding of who's staying, who's going. And as you mentioned a minute ago, partner, and the majority of our listeners that are listening to this, it is going to be March. So we are literally a month away of truly finding out what the rosters are going to look like. But I think as each and every day passes, we're going to kind of see who's going and who's staying. 
yeah, I think we are certainly going to be getting that sooner rather than later. I do, I do want to talk about Julia because Jesus Christ, that woman has no chill whatsoever. Um, uh, she, she did an interview with Tokyo Sports basically where she was asked about whether she was leaving Stardom, um, uh, and basically her re- her response was an emphatic no comment. Um, but only after she stated free as a bird. So, uh, you know, she's also said she's got the strong belt right now, so she wants to go all over the world with this belt. So she <laughs> she said no comment, then said I'm as free as a bird, which I thought, which really did make me laugh because it did sort of come out as a, uh, just a proper sardonic comment. And then, of course, she did reference the fact that she's still the strong women's champion. I do think that she will drop that to Stephanie Vacker um simply because stephanie vacker is very very highly thought of in new japan very very clearly um and you know she's already been advertised on that windy city riot show so it wouldn't surprise me if like you said matt stephanie vacker's defending that belt against maybe an azumi or maybe against amina wouldn't surprise me um but yes that comment from julia as we sort of Pretty much confirmed last week, Julia is almost 100% certainly the first one to uh, to leave, to go to Rossi's new promotion, Matt. Yeah, again, we only have a month left of these uh, Julia matches. We've seen her, obviously, in multi-person tag matches, but they did. And we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the reviews of the show. They did have a, a nice little segment with Utami and Julia. And I think that if we can get one last big Julia match... I think that's the one that everyone wants to go to. I really think that she does need to put Micah over for the red belt somewhere along the way. And again, we do have two nights of the Cinderella tour. The, the, the final two nights, I believe, are back-to-back. Maybe they do those as back-to-back pay-per-views. Or they do one as a live stream. But, you know, obviously she was very hot coming into the company back in 2020. When she's leaving the company, it is a time-honored tradition that you go and you put other people over. I think it would be good for business for everybody that on those last two nights she puts Micah over and she puts Utami over. If Utami's staying, I'm assuming that Micah is staying. I mean, she is holding the the richest prize in all of wrestling. So um, I think that would be the best way to go about doing business. And those are two matches that would draw a lot of money for, uh, for stardom. And that would really help, you know, Bushi road as she's leaving, but uh, you got to give Julia credit, man. You really got to go for a lot of things, but the fact that she, she is who she is. She doesn't deter from that. She doesn't, you know, shy away from that. Like, this is my opinion. I didn't like the way the company was ran. I didn't like what happened in that Moneyball match that happened in November. I, I spoke my mind, and she didn't speak her mind just to speak her mind. She spoke her mind, and she is speaking her mind with really good, valid points. So, and again, we said this before, and pardon me, I'll mention it again. She can go to the WWE, like the you know, as soon as her contract's up, there's high interest there, and make a ton of money. But more than likely, it looks like she's going to be staying around for a few months to help Rossi launch his new promotion, and the loyalty that she has to Rossi, you just have to commend that. So. uh Interesting times indeed, sir. Interesting times indeed. But Julia, she's just, she's the best. She really is. She really is. Um, Finally, final bit of news. Um, It does seem like we've been talking about the news for a long time. Final bit about the Rossi Ogawa 
um, situation. ERD Wrestling on Twitter posted that uh, I got the chance to ask the legendary Ayako Hamade if she knows something about Stardom founder Rossi Ogawa's new promotion, and she confirmed that in her last trip to Japan for the RCN graduation day, she had talks with Ogawa, and there's a good chance that she will be working alongside Ogawa in the build-up of it. So it's it's interesting to see who and what names are involved as we build steam ahead of Rossi's promotion and whenever this will get announced. And I'm interested now to see who else is linked to Rossi going forward, Matt. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, calling on some of his friends and it's a, it's, it's a been a really it's proven to be a really good team and a really good track record. So, yeah, like we said, this is interesting times and we're going to see more and more unfold. Really seems like this podcast is going to be just a a fun way to kind of see what the landscape of Joshi is going to be as we get into uh the uh the spring and the summer months of 2024. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are not familiar with Ayako Hamada, she's been in everything from uh, Gay Japan to TNA, which I didn't realize. She's a two times TNA Women's Knockout Tag Team Champion. Um, is this the person who is Alison Danger's favorite person in the whole wide world? I was getting ready to say, you mentioned her name, and I'm like, I think that's it. And then you mentioned it again. That was literally, I, my man, I'm telling you, you're really picking my brain again, <laughs> half a world away. I'm almost positive once we uh, once we close out this podcast, I will uh, message Allison, and uh, and uh, maybe we'll get a little, in- if, if that is it, and she did, she created a good relationship with her, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get a little inside information from one of our favorite people on this, uh, that guests this podcast, the one Allison Danger, but I'm 99% sure that Allison's all-time favorite female wrestler is uh, is Hamada. So that's uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, Hamada's been literally everywhere. Gay, Japan, All Japan Women's, um, like I said, TNA, Sendai Girls, Shimmer. It's going to be her, isn't it? Because I've just seen that she was a Shimmer Tag Team Champion in 2011 and you know, 2012. I'm messaging Allison right now. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> wait. Um, she's won literally everything in RCN as well. Um, so really highly, highly decorated wrestler and a big name in the Joshi scene. Um, Rob, how do, you, how do you spell that? H-A- H A M A D A. Lots of A's in there. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, an A, an A plus for you, buddy. How about that? Oh, thank you, man. Um, so let's talk then about some results. So before we get into the starter results, let's talk about the IWGP Women's Championship, which was defended on the twenty third of February in the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center in Hokkaido. Um, on that new beginning in Sapporo Night One show match five, Mayu Iwatani defeating the challenger Mina Shirakawa to make her fourth defense of the IWGP Women's Championship in 12 minutes and 28 seconds, pinning Mina with the two-step dragon suplex. Uh, Matt, it's not hyperbole and it is not exaggeration to say that this was quite considerably and easily the best match on what was quite a controversial card. I didn't watch the whole card. It's funny. Back in the, back before I joined this podcast, myself and Andy Hedder had a podcast. We talk about comics and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I'm kind of glad that I don't have to go back and watch these full shows like I do with these stardom shows, which I love doing because uh, 
boy, howdy, some of this House of Torture stuff is bad. But I woke up the morning of the 23rd and kind of figured Mayu was going to win. And I was just scrolling through Twitter and everybody said it was a great match, best match of the show. But they just wish it got more time. So I was worried it was only going to go eight or nine minutes. So I was surprised it got a little bit over 12. Obviously, I wish it would got that 15, 16, 17 minute mark. The way that Mina builds up her offense, you know, with the leg. And then once the leg doesn't work, she goes to the striking and then she goes back to the leg. And then you mix that in with Mayu selling and then Mayu turning into zombie Mayu in these uh, these big championship matches. I wish it got more time to tell the story. Maybe we see this. And I mentioned this last week. We Maybe we see this run back. 17, 18 minutes on one of these stardom Cinderella shows back for the championship on a stardom show proper. But regardless, this was still great. Again, they were given 12 minutes. You can tell Mina's entrance. Like she's always, she's got like one of the most charismatic, charismatic entrances, not only in stardom, but all of wrestling. Like she knows who she is. She knows who Mina Shirakawa, the character is, and she's fantastic. But it seemed like halfway through her entrance or when she got in the ring, she was a little bit nervous because she was looking out in the crowd and she looked like she was breathing a little bit heavier. And I'm like, oh, I've been there before. I hope she doesn't get what we call adrenaline dump. But I think once the bell got going, she got really into the aspect of who she is as a wrestler because they started out fast. And we usually don't see Mina Shirakawa working that fast. Like obviously Mayu is a very fast wrestler, a very fast paced wrestler, former high speed champion. She was able to keep up with Mayu and then once she was able to get that target, bam, she hits the low dropkick. And she starts building towards the work on Mayu's knee. And again, Mayu, phenomenal seller, phenomenal job, just building sympathy, bringing it back up, using her strikes to get the advantage back. I thought there was some really good stuff there. I liked how when Mina went for the electric chair dragon screw, which still just, I don't know how she does it the way she does without blowing out her opponent's knee or blowing out her elbow on the way down from the bump from protecting her opponent's knee. But she goes for it, and then Mayu just probably spikes it with the reverse Rana. I was like, how did I not see that coming? You know what I mean? You have, like, Mina going to going for that big move. Mayu's a great counter-wrestler, especially toward, building towards the end of the finish. I thought that was great. I liked how Mina did the uh, roaring elbow and then just did a complete 180. Then I was able to hit the spinning back fist. I thought that was great. Um, Tombstone stuff I thought was really good, the way that Mayu built to it. I liked how I thought that this match, again, from what people were telling me, the morning of this match, it didn't go It didn't go as long as they wanted to. So a lot of the falsies I really, really bid on um, just because I thought, oh, this is going to be the finish. And they, they did a great job giving them championship match false finishes where it just builds, built, built. I thought that was great. And then eventually Mayu was able to finally, and they did a great job. Mina did a great job countering the two-step dragon suplex. I thought um, eventually they built to where Mayu finally has Mina worn down enough where she can hit the two-step dragon suplex. I thought Mina had a little majority of the match. I thought maybe Mina controlled 55% of the match to Mayu's 45, which again just makes Mayu look better at the end when she's able to retaliate and able to eat all the offense from Mina Shirakawa to uh, get the finish in. Great match. Um, I gave it four and a quarter stars. And again, we are two months into this year, and I don't know any wrestler that is having even close to the year of one Mayu Iwatani. Again, just another resume builder on what is one of the greatest wrestlers of this or any other generation. And again, I know I talked to you um, texting back and forth, and you told me, you said, Matt, this don't even bother watching the rest of the show. Nothing touched this, which it's very alarming. A lot of people are thinking that it probably, and again, it's preference. Maybe you do like some of the House of Torture stuff, and that's fine. You know, one of the many great things about pro wrestling is subjective. You can like what you like. But if the people in New Japan are watching this show from start to finish, as well as they should if they're the booker of promoters, and then when the show's over, 
on their drive home or to the hotels or to dinner or whatever, they got to be thinking the best match on this show wasn't a match that involved New Japan wrestlers. It involved stardom wrestlers, and maybe now that's why we're going to see them on more New Japan shows, which is just great for stardom because they're going to get more exposure. And you know they're going to be over, Rob. You know they're going to be over. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, a bit of a problematic card. The crowd was really quiet for this as well. Um, they were quiet for a considerable portion of this show, full stop. But I thought the Mayu and Mina did a fantastic job of wakening the crowd um, to the point that by the end, they were invested in the match. And that's credit to the work that both Mayu and Mina did. It was a match that we know both women can do very, very well. Mina attacking the knee and Mayu playing the baby face in peril, um, being resilient, you know, hitting each other very, very hard. You know, you're trying to tell that story of Mina growing as a competitor after Mayu completely buried her in that interview. Um, which was just quintessential Mayu. But Matt, I'm afraid I have to call into question your journalistic approach when you analysed this match and did not mention once Mayu Iwatani's new fantastic championship gear. Both of them. Both of them. Uh, new gear. They both look fantastic. Mayu obviously looked great. Um, I watched this match actually with my wife and she was just like, ah, I've seen Mayu have better gear. And then top of my head, Mayu's best gear. Before I can even say it, she goes, I like the gear that Mayu had when she wrestled Kyrie in that red gear. I go, oh my God, that's her championship gear when she had that phenomenal run with the World of Stardom Championship. But uh, yeah, she did make mention to that. Did make mention she did like Mina's gear, but didn't care for her hair extensions, which I completely no-sold. I said, what are you talking about? That's clearly her real hair. And about four minutes in the match, Mina eats a super kick and part of her hair goes flying. <laughs> and of course, Rob, I got a K favorite, right? Again, my wife sees through all my BS. And I go, Mayu hit her so hard it knocked part of her hair out. She's like, just stop. Just please just stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there is actually a really wonderful photo, and I, I don't think Mina would appreciate the photo, to be perfectly honest, but this one where Mina is facing the camera and Mai was delivering a buzzsaw kick to the back of her head, and uh, the face that Mina is pulling as the impact is happening is not a very Mina-like face. Um, let's just put it that way. I'll have to send you the photo, Matt, because it did really, really make me laugh. Um, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. 
Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, in, in terms of this match, I gave it four and a quarter as well. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, they warmed the crowd up spectacularly well. A really quiet crowd. I really like my use gear simply because it matched the snow outside and Sapporo. And in my head, that was why she did it. Of course, it's probably not, but I like that. Um, just in case you were curious about some more of the results on this card, um, El Desperado dropped the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship to show uh, via countout. Um, Evil defeated Shota Umino uh, for the Never Openweight Championship. So, excellent job pushing those uh, new musketeers, New Japan. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi lost the New Japan World TV Championship to Matt Riddle, which I know went down like a lead balloon on social media. And Nick Nemeth, um, the old Dolph Ziggler, um, defeated David Finlay to become the IWGP Global Champion. So uh, I know that those last four matches in particular came under significant scrutiny. Um, But it was nice to see that really, really good, compact championship match between Mayu and Mina because genuinely I think they did a tremendous job as I've said you know it's a match that they work very very well and it's a style that I feel like Mina's perfected certainly um and again like Chris um Charlton and um Walker did a fantastic job of commentating and bringing in that history and putting over the figure four driver Mina um uh, yeah all in all a really really good match on a tepid card let's say i think that's the best way to put it um before anything else matt we'd best talk about these three shows so we're going all the way back to the 18th of february we have got stardom in shibuya stardom in gumma from the 24th and then stardom in utsunamaya in 25th of february as well to talk about but we'll start on the 18th stardom in shibuya in the bell cell shibuya first tokyo in front of a full house reportedly of 356 people um the results are as follows a tag team match opened proceedings the awaditai team of rina and ruaka defeated the exv team of waka sukiyama and hanako with the jackknife pin in eight minutes and 42 seconds uh rina pinning hanako like i say three-way match meisera defeated meisakurai and hanan with the meteor dragon uh meisera pinning meisakurai in six minutes and 49 seconds Six-woman tag team action. The Uweratai team of Nats, Katora, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yuna Mizumori, and Sayaka Karora when Starlight Kid submitted Karora with the Black Tiger leg killer in 12 minutes and 11 seconds with a finish that Matt found very, very entertaining. Uh, a tag team match followed with Julia and Suzu Suzuki defeated the reunited Fukuoka Double Crazy with Suzu Suzuki pinning Kogama with the German and suplex in nine minutes and 43 seconds in a 10 woman tag match the queen's quest team of utami haishis the sayakamatani azumi miwamasaki and lady c defeated the god's eye team of Siori marai amisori saki kashima and rani agami uh, miwamasaki pinning rani agami with the tenzai in 13 minutes and 11 seconds and then in your main event don't forget this was prior to the iwgp women's championship match we've just talked about a six-woman tag match the exv team 
of Mike, Amina, Shirakawa, and Zena defeated the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saeeda, and Yuzuki. Mina submitting Yuzuki with the figure for leg lock in 14 minutes and seven seconds. Matt Turner, what do we need to be checking out from the Shibuya show? Match number three. I'll obviously get to the finish because I think I text you right away and I said, wait till you see this finish. It's not a 450 through a flaming table, but it's just genius old school wrestling that makes sense. Again, you got Tam, Yuna, and Sayaka Karora versus Starlight Kid, Natsuko Tora, and Momo Watanabe. And again, you can kind of see how this match is going to go. We had a really good start with uh, some really good, uh, really good stuff, especially with Tam and Momo. We really haven't seen a Tam and Momo match like a proper match since I think their Wonder of Stardom Championship match back in, I think, 2018 or 2019. And they did a really good job building the two of them up where I thought, man, I would love to see Tam and Momo like a 13, 14-minute match, maybe in like a Cork and Hall, especially now with, you know, Momo being the full-fledged heel and Tam returning to the company with because she's completely, you know, revigored and kicking ass. So I thought that was a really good part of the match. But you see it's going to come down to Starlight Kid and Sayaka Karora. And God bless Sayaka Karora. We know how this is going to go. Starlight Kid is working the knee, working the knee. So you figured, okay, the finish, it's not going to be the Black Tiger pile driver. It's probably not even going to be the Star Suplex, the Tiger Suplex. It's going to be the Black Tiger leg crusher submission. So not only does she work it and work it well, and Saka Karora is selling for someone who's only been wrestling a handful of months. It's really, really good. But she goes to reach for the rope, and Momo Watanabe, being the jerk heel, does something that's bending the rules but not breaking them. She goes to reach for the ropes, and Momo, using her best weapon, which is that kick, punk kicks Sakakurara's hand away from the ropes, allowing Starlight Kid to wrench in the leg crusher submission even more to force the tap out. That is something that's like 1960s, 1970s, like heel work. You know, literally, I literally have a note written down that was very like Anderson like Gene, Ole, Arn. You know, we talked about obviously the passing of Ole Anderson at the beginning of the show. This is something that one of the like the Andersons would have done back in the day for a finish. And it's something that I don't remember seeing in quite some time. And I just thought it was just genius. It was like, I'm gonna help my tag partner out. It makes sense that if they're going to reach for something that's going to break the hold. I may as well kick it away. Again, say me and Rob, we get into a giant bar fight down in Philadelphia, and I'm putting a chokehold on somebody, and somebody goes to grab a beer bottle, smash it across my head. I hope Rob would have taken the time to kick that person's hand away so they couldn't grab said weapon, and I can finish my submission. Again, I see how I relate it to real life and our Stardom Cast live podcast. I thought that was an absolute genius finish and to what was a really good match, I had it at three and three-fourth stars. So I built this up to you. I built this finish up to you in text messages last week. Uh, what did you think of the finish, my friend? I loved it. Like you say, it's old school wrestling. It worked really, really well, just bullying a weather tie, picking on the young Sayaka Karora. And of course, you know, you're going to want to help out your tag partner. As you mentioned, I gave you three and a half. Really good fun. And Again, I know the focus is rightly going to be on Starlight Kid and, you know, the members of a wedding tab. I thought Sayaka Karora did fantastically well. And I know we're starting to sound like a bit of a broken record. And I know that the whole point of having reps in the ring is to become significantly better. But I thought she did a tremendous job in this match. And again, I think she's uh, she's on the way to becoming a very, very good in-ring competitor. Um, what do you think about the return of Fukuoka Double Crazy, Matt? I thought it was great. However, I was a little shocked at the finish. I thought this would go to the old TLD 
And I was shocked. Not only did not go to the TLD, not only did FWC you know lose on their return since Julia is the only one that we know of the four that's where where there, she's going. The fact that she's out, but it was a returning Kagama that ate the pinfall. And I was glad that it was Suzu that got the win. So we're starting to heat Suzu back up a little bit since after uh, losing that match at Dream Queendom against Micah. But I thought this was the best match of the show. It was great to see them back. You can just see how happy both Kagama and uh, Hazuki uh, uh, are to be back. And, you know, Hazuki's made it very well known that she wants to not only win the Cinderella tournament, not only does she want to win the Wonder of Stardom Championship, book it in Philadelphia, Stardom, do it, do it. <laughs> but she also would like for her and Kagama to once again reign as the goddess of stardom tag team champions sometime this year, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, which would make them the only three-time goddess of stardom tag team champions. Yep, currently they are one of only two teams to hold the goddess of stardom tag belts twice, the other, of course, being our current champions, Aphrodite. Um, Really good match, you know, again, you can only do so much in nine minutes, but I thought all four women did tremendously well. Suzu Suzuki and Hazuki proved in the five-star what they can do together. I thought Kagama did well melding that um, sort of comedy aspect from the beginning into the hard-hitting that we know that she can do or the more confrontational parts that she can do. That elevated codebreaker looked like it sucks for everyone. <laughs> so you have got Kagama who is hoisting um, sort of grabbing Suzu Suzuki around the knees and lifting her up. And then you've got Hazuki hitting a top rope code breaker to Suzu Suzuki. But the way that everyone landed, the move looked great, looked fine, but it just looked like the way everyone landed, it just looked like it sucked for absolutely everyone. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed the match. Three and a half stars. Really, really good fun. And again, it's really nice to see Fukuoka Double Crazy again. And hopefully, sooner rather than later, we will see Fukuoka Double Crazy against Aphrodite for those Goddess of Stardom tag belts. Uh, Matt, what else should we be looking at on this card then? Uh, real quickly, I like that tag match a little bit better than you. I actually gave it the four stars, which once anything hits four stars on these quote-unquote house shows, that is an absolute must-watch. But good point. The main event was uh, good fun. You know, anytime you get Queen's Quest in God's Eye, doesn't matter which way, you know, who you have in, it's always going to be a hard-hitting match, especially when you have the upper tier of God's Eye, you know, meaning Mirai, Shuri, Ami Sori, and of course with Azumi, Sai Kamatani, and Utami Hayashisa. But they did a great job highlighting Miyu Amasaki. It seems like these last few shows, they really just did a great job building her up to that future of Stardom Championship match, again, which we'll get into. It's the last show we're going to review. So again, you know, Azumi, Lady C, uh, Tommy, Sai Kamatani were all great. They did a great job building up Miyu Amasaki and Rana Yugami as well. Um, I like how with these rookies, they're giving them singles matches, you know, with the Suzu Suzuki, um, with I think that with Mina Shirakawa, they've been giving these rookies some opportunity in singles matches where it's basically like there's no tag partner for you to tag with or nobody else in the match to kind of help you out with anything in case you get lost or you get blown up. You're literally going to be sink or swim. And I think all these rookies, they're all swimming and they're all swimming fantastic. So Ronnie Ugami was maybe even been the MVP of this match. And I'm really enjoying her work. It seems like ever since she's come on with God's eye, you can tell that Sherry's taking her under her wing and making her strikes and submissions, you know, that she's obviously came into the stardom dojo with, uh, make them mean more, make them better, knowing when to put them, uh, the timing of them as well. So in the short time she's been with God's eye, you've already seen her improve 
And again, God's eye when they're setting up these multi-person tag matches, I'm assuming it's Sherry and Mariah that are probably putting the crux of these matches together. They're doing a great job making sure Rana Yugami shines, which I just love the unselfishness of just the whole company that is starting because we see it with rookies all the time. So um, really, again, the, uh, the, the semi-main, the tag ma- FWC tag match was my favorite of the show, but this one was right there as well. Um, I actually had it at three and three fourth stars. And again, anytime you get any Utami and Sherry in the ring, even if it's for just brief moments, it's always really uh, fun stuff. And as well as I thought Sai Kamatani and Sherry, their uh, interactions, they did a great job with the two of them. They had some segues in that match. And that's like the one big singles match I really want to see is Sherry and Sai, just because both of them had such a phenomenal run with their respective championships two years ago. Yeah, completely agree. And Rani Agami gets extra points for me after I find out that she plays drums um, and is into heavy metal. So Rani Agami is now a huge favorite of uh, the Stardom cast. So if we see her at Philly Mania, we will be talking metal with Rani Agami. Um, uh, Obviously, Matt, I know you want to talk a little bit about the main event, but you talk about Rani Agami being sort of the focus of that 10-woman tag match. And I think Yuzuki was also a little bit of a focus in this main event. I know she ended up submitting to the figure four, but again, she doesn't look out of place in a match that contains Mike, Amina, and Mayu, does she? No, not at all. And again, they did a great job. As soon as the bell rang, we started with Mayu and Mina. Again, smart, you're building up towards the uh, IWGP uh, championship match that we just reviewed. That was a, a few days earlier. But again, the majority of this match had Yuzuki in it. And you know Yuzuki's eating the pinfall. But again, they threw they threw her out there with the former white belt champion, the current uh, red belt champion, and a returning Zena. And Zena is another one that's, you know, I know she's not a rookie, but she was in stardom for a hot minute. She comes back and she's fantastic. Um, so, and again, and of course, Saida, my man. Saida was awesome in this match. Chops to Micah, Lariats to Zena. The chop exchanges between Saida and Zena seems to be something on these uh, these cards that I really look forward to. But yeah, again, they did a great job of putting, you know, Mayu did her stuff, Saida did her stuff. But the crux of this match was to get Yuzuki more reps, get her in the ring with different wrestlers, you know, making sure her ring timing is good, her conditioning is good. And again, she's another one that is absolutely hitting it out of the park. This, you know, these crop of rookies that stardom has, they're just unbelievable. And obviously with Saka Karora coming back in two weeks as well, it's going to be interesting to see where she goes. So, yeah, Yuzuki, probably low-key MVP of this main event, my friend. I had this one at uh, three and three-fourth stars. Yeah, it did. It had a structure very similar to the other EXV versus stars, multi-women that we've seen in the build-up to this um new beginning show but ultimately when that formula works why stray from it so yeah really really enjoyed that let's move on then to the show from gunma in 20 uh, sorry on the 24th of february 2024 for the gms gunma exhibition center 384 people in attendance and your results are as follows in a four-way match hanako defeated Fuki Kandeth, Saki Kashima, and Mayu Iwatani, um, pinning Fuki Kandeth with a pinfall reversal in five minutes and 11 seconds. Six. Does that make her the champion? She's now the uh, IWGP Women's Champion because she has a technically a win over Mayu. Rob, how does that work? I think that puts <laughs> her in contention. Book it now, Hanako <laughs> versus Mayu Iwatani. Tokyo Dome, book it now. Uh, <laughs> 
six-woman tag action. Oenatai, team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight, and Ruwaka defeated the Stars team of Han and Saida and Yuzuki Momo pinning Yuzuki with the buzzsaw kick in 12 minutes and 39 seconds. Eight-woman tag match next. May Seira, Suzu Suzuki, Julia, and May Sakurai defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Sioriano, Yuna Mizumori, and Sayaka Karora, with Julia submitting Sayaka Karora with the STF in 13 minutes and 36 seconds. Tag team match, Utami Aishida and Miyu Amasaki versus Oeditai's Natsukatora and Rina ended in a time limit draw of 15 minutes in a match I know Matt was really excited about. Tag team match next, Fukuoka double crazy, Hazuki and Kagama defeated the Queen's Quest team of Saya Kamatani and Lady C with Hazuki pinning Lady C with her top rope code breaker in 14 minutes and three seconds. And then in your eight-woman tag team main event, the EXV team of Mika, Mina Shirakawa, Zena, and Wakasukiyama defeated the God's Eye team of Siori Marai, Amisori, and Rana Yagami. Mika pinning Rana Yagami with the Sazanka in 11 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, Matt Turner, I know that you were big on the time limit draw between Utami and Miu and Natsukatora and Rina, obviously ahead of their future of stardom match. Why were you so high on it? Real quick, I just want to mention I'm all about Momo Watanabe using the buzzsaw kick as a finish. You know, obviously, we see in stardom a lot of wrestlers have a lot of different finishers. I'm all about Momo kicking somebody in the head for a three count because that was brutal. Anywho, my man. Maybe it's just me because I had my Queen's Quest colored love glasses on. Well, it seems like I say this every single show. You can put any combination of Queen's Quest wrestlers together in these multi-person matches, and it just works. And in match four and five, it worked. Utami and Miyu, I'm not sure if they've ever had tag matches before. Obviously, they've had six-person and eight-person matches. But Utami does a great job giving Miyu what she needs, as well as Tor and Rina. You know, obviously, Natsuko Tora, she's a main eventer, especially after that match she had with Julia in Cork and Hall. She's one of those wrestlers that can go from mid-carder and put her in a main event on a big show, and it's going to do well. Utami is a made main eventer on any show against any opponent, but the crux of this match was to build towards their future of stardom championship match. We saw great tag work with Utami and Miyu, which surprisingly was excellent. Rina and Tora, we, they've tagged before, but Tora and Utami would do what they needed to do and then kind of get out of the way and let the story of Miyu and Rina uh, play. Like Miyu has had a victory over Rina before. That's why she gets the title shot. This one goes to a time limit draw, basically just showing that, you know, she, both of these ladies are so close of getting the win. So if you're looking at it from a kayfabe aspect, going into that match that they had uh, just uh, the next day, it's like neck and neck. They're both equally matched and they did a great job of just giving, you know, again, Utami does what she needs to do. Tora does what she needs to do. They both get tag work in and then let this match breathe to the bigger story. That is Miyu versus Rina. That's one of the many reasons why I enjoyed this match so much. And uh, it was one of my favorite matches, my second favorite match of the show. I had it three and three-fourth stars. And uh, again, if you would have told me a month ago this they were going to have this match, that it would have went to a time limit draw. I'm like, why? It doesn't make sense. Just pin Miyu. Just pin Rina. But they keep them protected for the next night. I think that's really, really good booking from the new bookie, the new bookers over at Stardom. That is one thing I must admit that I am a big fan of, is the fact that they are putting more of a 
more of a focus on the future of Stardom Championship and the fact that it is being defended more often. Um, it does feel like we are seeing it more often and I'd quite like to see the New Blood Tag Team Championships go that same way. And it, I like the fact that we are building proper feuds to this title. You know, we've had Miu and Rina face off several times now before this. Both have exchanged wins. Both have exchanged wins in different ways. You know, Rina had to hit two consecutive double um, diving knee, start, uh, knee drops and Miu had to hit two Tenzai's to win that as well. And I was still convinced, by the way, at this point, that Miyu Amasaki was winning um, the Future of Stardom Championship, which Rob predicts it, therefore it is wrong. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this match as well. I also thoroughly enjoyed the next match, the Fukuoka Double Crazy Tag against Sayaka Kamatani and Lady C. Um, uh, again, Hazuki and Kagame, fantastic chemistry. Hazuki and Sayaka Kamatani, give me that singles match, Matt. Give me that yeah. singles match. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, the Sayakamatani versus Lady C. We have not seen them team as a straight up tag team um, in quite some time. And again, they fared very well. And again, who's on the other side? One of the best tag teams in all of stardom and all of wrestling, uh, Hazuki versus Kagama. And they were able to uh, finally get their first win in quite some time. But it's nice to see that we do have some FWC tag matches on these cards. It really gives them more oomph into these shows. And hence, that's why you've been seeing these. These One thing I do want to make mention before I forget, partner, is these three shows, there wasn't many empty seats. There wasn't many empty seats. So you, we weren't sure how post-Rossi, how the fans were going to react. And it seems like we're getting great shows, great cards. We're getting in, the crowd being interactive and full houses. So that's really good to see. Yeah, great stuff. Of course, anytime we get Sai Kamatani and Hazuki, we talk about it all the time on this show. We have flashbacks and great flashbacks to their match. Geez, a year ago, because coming up on a year, it's just crazy how time flies. You know, my favorite white belt match of all time. I'm sure yours as well. But let's not forget, uh, you know, let's not uh, dismiss how great Kagama and Lady C were both in this match. Really great exchanges. Lady C, it just seems like her new thing is to chop you kick you in the head and then when she gets the opportunity to choke slam you to try to throw you up into the rafters because good god that choke slam is uh <laughs> it is is really really something it's really really something and uh again obviously fwc they work great as a team Sai and lady c were fantastic as well uh really good stuff and nice to see fwc get on the win board and it's gonna be interesting to see where they go with Hazuki and Kagama as a team, especially if Hazuki does, fingers crossed, win the Cinderella tournament. Again, you can do both. You know, we see May Sarah teaming with Suzu Suzuki, and, you know, obviously Utami, um, our, our Sherry, when she was world champion, she was also goddess of stardom tag champ. So you you can do both. I got no problem with it. Really good stuff. Uh, glad I get, got the 14 minutes time to tell the story. Um, and again, it's always great to see Hazuki and Kagama as a team. Three and a half stars, sir. Yeah, it, again, everything you've just said. Lady C has improved hugely. Um, I'd like to see a guy run in the Cinderella, but unfortunately you can't have all of the people in the Cinderella have a good run in the Cinderella, and I feel like Lady C probably isn't quite on that level of being elevated. However, you look at Wakasukiyama, who made it to the Final Four last year, maybe Lady C can do that here. I really do like what she's doing in the ring, just being a big, dominant, great Carly style um, wrestler, which I know obviously you're a big fan of because obviously Great Carly, the big brain chop and everything, Matt, I know that's obviously a huge thing for you. Um, uh, I was a big fan of the main event as well, even though the main event 
went just under 12 minutes. This was very, very short, considering it was an eight-woman tag. Yeah, um, absolutely right, buddy. And did you notice, like, Sherry and Micah chasing each other around the arena? I thought that was really funny. Did you? I was like, in the beginning, did you notice that? I did notice that. Did you notice, obviously, I'd say, did you notice? But, of course, we then also had Mariah and Amisori chopping Wacker's bum. That seems to be the new thing. Uh, I know she when she does like almost like that Tekla thing where she gets caught in the ropes. It was a match. I think it was on the the last show we're going to uh, review where like she's getting kicked in the bum. It's kind of but then she's using the hip attack as a as a as an offensive move. I noticed it like when EXV and these multi person and I get let's I, I'm going to give it some psychology, Rob, because that's what you're here for. <laughs> you're here to give the Matt Turner. He's going to make sense of it. I try the to make sense of, of the hip attack. Uh, hold on. Hold on, I'm going to make like very much on how I tried to, but failed, in your opinion, makes sense of psychology of um, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. So let me see <laughs> if this is going to work on you. I noticed that walk when EXB runs their uh, shine in the beginning. With the shine is, and pull the curtain back a little. The shine is, is, is every member of the team will kind of get one or two moves in, and they'll do like tag team moves. When Walker gets her shine in, she uses the hip attack, which is basically her bum hitting the person in the head. So if you're like watching this and you're on the outside and you're thinking my friend is getting beat with this maneuver, let me try to take it out by either chop it or kick it. So that might be the psychology. We see Waka using her bum as an offensive move. And then one of these serious strikers will either chop it or kick it, maybe to take away some of the power. I don't know. That's the, <laughs> that's the only psychology I can come up with, folks. Does that, does that work for you, Rod? Does that make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> <laughs> The idea of Amisuri <laughs> and Mirai looking former to champions. For, former champions, former champions, Mirai, former white belt champion, two-time winner of the Cinderella, mm. by the way. The fact that they are looking to grind down Wakazuki Armor <laughs> by chopping her repeatedly on the bottom. Just, I, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly like, no, it's it's not going to do anything. She's just not going to be able to sit down for a bit. Like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't see the psychological uh, impact of that at all. But there we are. There we are. It's uh, it's quite an entertaining match, to be fair, but not in a way that I'd have thought, especially as God's Eye is supposed to be your dead serious people. <laughs> and then you've got Mariah and Amisori taking in turns to chop Whacker on the bum and Suri chasing Micah around the ring. It's it's a bit chaotic, um, but in the best possible way. Mariah versus Zena, though, of all those people that are in that match, mm. and everybody's great, you know, but Mariah and Zena, their exchanges in the ring, it was like, Oh man, that's again, that's a singles match. I want to see somewhere down the line. Maybe I have to look again at the brackets. Maybe it's somewhere we get sometime in the Cinderella. Mariah and Zena, they weren't there for chopping anybody in the bums. They weren't there as two main <laughs> eventers chasing each other around the ring. They were there for violence, my man. They were there for violence, and boy, they brought it. But uh, yeah, probably my favorite match of this uh, show. I actually had it at three and three fourth stars. And again, the fact they were able to get it all, all that chaoticness. And all that violence in a, in less than twelve minutes with uh, eight people um, just goes to show you that Stardom does a great job at maximizing their, everybody's minutes in the ring. The earliest Zena and Mirai would face off would be the semifinals. Oh, probably not going to happen. I, I'd be surprised. Zena potentially um, her big roadblock on the way to the semifinal is Hazuki, um, and obviously Mirai's big 
um, Mariah's got quite a few actually. She's obviously got Han and Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki in her sort of side of that left hand side of the bracket. So I'd be, I'd, I would be very, very surprised if uh, if Mariah and Xena face off. But we did get a little bit of a uh, little bit of a sampling there, and I do like it. So maybe as a singles match further on down the road, because we've seen like Su- uh, Stardom have these singles matches as in this 25th of February card, which we're going to talk about in a moment, where you do get little nuggets of really good matches. We saw Suzu Suzuki have a really good match with Yuzuki um, not long ago. I think it was on the 12th of uh, February. That was really good. We saw Mirai versus Rani Yagami. That was really good as well. So um, Utami versus Lady C, another really good singles match on a random card. So maybe they will just put it on a random card, give it seven, eight, nine minutes, and hell, it might be fantastic. We've seen what they can do, so I'd love to see it again. Um, let's move on then to that show, the 25th of February. Stardom in Utsunomaya 2024 in the light cube, Utsunomaya Toshigi. Another full house, Matt. So the second out of three shows, 464 people in attendance. The results are as follows. Um, singles match open proceedings. Amisori defeated Rani Agami with the Brain Buster in six minutes and 57 seconds. Singles match, Suzu Suzuki defeated Sayaka Kurora with the Buzzsaw Kick in 7 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, Six-woman tag match follows Stars, Hazuki, Yuzuki, and Kogama getting the pinfall over God's Eye, Suri Mirai, and Saki Kashima with Kogama pinning Mirai, which I thought was interesting. Again, both both the same side of that bracket in the Cinderella tournament, pinning her with the schoolboy in 10 minutes and 28 seconds. Six-woman tag action followed again with Meisera, Julia, and Meisakurai defeating the Queen's Quest team of Utami, Saya Kamatani, and Lady C. Uh, Maysera submitting Lady C with the shooting star Dragon Sleeper in 11 minutes and 46 seconds. 10-woman tag match, the EXV team of Mika, Mina Shirakawa, Hanako, Zena, and Wakasukiyama defeated the Oedatai team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Fuki and Death, and Ruaka with Zena pinning the clown with the Thunderstruck in 12 minutes and 18 seconds and end ever there was a size mismatch it was xena versus fukik and death um we then in the semi-main event had rena defending her future of stardom championship making her sixth successful title defense defeating miyu amasaki submitting her with the hydrangea in 10 minutes and 54 seconds and in the process moving up to joint second when it comes to most successful tile defenses with the future of stardom belt and then in your main event we had the six woman tag match the stars team of Mai Iwatani, Hanan and Sayaida defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yuna Mizmori and Sayori Anu with Hanan pinning Yuna with the back drop hold in 15 minutes and 38 seconds. Matt Turner what did you think of this card? This was solid I liked how again you mentioned the focus we're getting on the future of Stardom Championship. We got a pre-show contract signing which you, which we didn't get anybody going through any tables. You know, Mayu didn't hit anybody with a car. But still, it's the fact that they did this in front of the crowd and that the fact that they put it on Stardom World just goes to show, again, we're heating up legit the future, pun intended, of Stardom by just, you know, making that match even bigger, having a contract signing. So I thought that was really well. Um, 
I completely forgot match number two with Suzu and Sayaka Karora. There is, and I don't know, I'm going to have to check with some of our brass and stardom if Suzu is going to be able to make the Cinderella tournament because she may have been arrested and or charged for attempted murder because boy, Sayaka <laughs> Karora, holy gee, Suzu. And it just seems like that's what everybody's thing is. It's like Sayaka Karora, again, that match where I mentioned two weeks ago where uh, that uh, where she went against uh, ta- uh, the Cosmic Angels before she formally you know, became a uh, member or uh, an understudy, where Tam just beats the bejesus out of her. And it seems like anytime she's in the ring with any members of God's Eye, I'm like, oh, poor Saka Karora. She's got this bubbly personality, and now she's got to get beat up by Mirai. She's got to get beat up by Sherry. She's got to get beat up by Ami, sorry. And Suzu Suzuki was probably like, oh, I'm wrestling Saka Karora. And then probably went up to Sherry and was like, hey, I'm wrestling this rookie. What should I do? I'm like, oh, do what I do. Just hit her as hard as humanly possible. Got it. Great. No problem. So, um, but God bless Sakura. She gets better each and every time in the ring. But the rest of the show was pretty solid. But the two matches, I mean, let's just talk about the semi-main and the main event because these were two of the best matches on these three shows that we were uh, that we're talking about. Rina versus Miyu Amasaki. I knew the result of this match before going in. And usually if it's not like a pay-per-view, because I watch the pay-per-views live, I usually don't care if I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. It's not that big of a deal. I really wish that I didn't see the results for this one because it had a great build. First of all, Miyu Amasaki, congratulations. She finally gets her Queen's Quest robe, Rob. That's a big deal. Almost as important as winning the Future Stardom Championship. Literally to the point, if I watched this live, I would have been like, because we talked about it last week, this was a coin flip. We didn't know who was going to win. Either Rena or Miyu winning would be the right decision. Both of these are great. They're both great flag bearers for that future of Stardom Championship. But if I would have saw this live or saw it without knowing who won with Miyu coming out with a new robe and she looked fantastic, I would be like, and more confident as well, I would have been like, yeah, she's taking the title, which then completely throws you off. You get to the finish. They have a really good match six, seven minutes in, and then they start building the falsies where they're teasing the hydrangea. They're teasing the pink devil. They're teasing the double knee bomb from the top rope. Miyu Amasaki, the way she gets into some of these DDTs, it's just like next level stuff. You can tell she's being coached very well from Azumi because she's able to kind of misdirect where she's going to go with some of these DDT attempts. And she has so many different variations. And then the way she's able to get in the tens eye, there's one point where she gets the tens eye and then she goes for it again. And she literally takes the sit down bump and Rina gets ever so close to taking the face bump and then stops and then grabs Miyu's legs and then rolls her to the jackknife. And I thought that was the finish, but that wasn't the finish. Then there was the one point where Rina's really using the hydrangea. And of course, I love how she uses it. One, it's akin to the late great Hanakamura, who was a mentor to uh, to Rina back in uh, uh, 2019. And uh, again, the way she uses it, the way she locks it in for someone who's only 16, 17 years old, I thought it was great. But there's one point where she goes to lock it in. I'm like, okay, she's going to lock in. This is going to be the finish. But as soon as she gets close to locking in, Miyu pushes her off the ropes, hits a, D- a tornado DDT, and then hits one of the ten's eyes. I thought that was great. Literally, the point was like, did I read this wrong? I thought that Rena won this match because I thought that was the finish. But ultimately, she goes back. Again, it's psychology. She goes back to the hole that almost got her to the win, the hole that actually got her the win over Ami Sori to win the belt, um, you know, about a year or so ago, going to the hydrangea. And the fact that this match got 11 minutes, we talked about it last week 
how Hanan's championship reign was great, but the majority of those matches were pay-per-view openers getting five, six, seven minutes. The fact this was a sub-main event in Rena's hometown and it got close to 11 minutes just made it that much better. This is another fantastic match in Rena's catalog and a really good one. Probably the best Miyu Amasaki uh, singles match she's probably had since that match with Azumi at New Blood. This was great. I gave it four stars. Uh, and this match elevated both Miyu and Rena. Again, you get Rena over, you get the belt over, you get Miyu, Miyu over in a loss, and you get the match over. So all the things that you need to get over on a big match like this, on a semi-main event, in a sold-out show for a championship, and a show that had a contract signing beforehand, you can't ask for anything better. You really, really can't. And the fact that Rena, who gets his baby face pop, and even Miyu got over. Again, Rena is it's her hometown. So Miyu gets the very, like, hey, great job, great job. And then they're chanting for Rena. Rena gets the clap. And then she what she does, she has to do a little bit of heel by saying, people in stardom are stupid. How come I wasn't the main event? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Rena is such a great comical, like, bad bad guy heel for someone that's only 17 years old. I just love the whole arena presentation. And again, she's just this roster is just so deep and it's a great job that they're they've been able to highlight Rena and this championship, you know, the last month or so. Yes, yeah, she's a brat. Let's, you know, and, <laughs> that's she, it. and that's she, it. <laughs> she plays it really really well. Um and it was, you know, immediately when she turned heel, it was a case of yeah, She's she's a brat and she does it really really well. Mia Wamasaki, I think here really did showcase the progress in her, especially. Um, Rena has always been solid. I don't remember a bad Rena match, um, and she was great here. But Mia Wamasaki, the stuff that she was doing, like that top rope DDT, oh my god, that looked horrendous. Like, but the the confidence to now do these moves. Like, she's always been relatively athletic, but the way that she is now putting these moves together, telling stories with it, that's the next level for Miu. And I think her and Rena were able to do that together here. I thought this was a fantastic match. Far, far surpassed my expectations. I knew it would be good. Did not think it would be this good. I think he did a beautiful job summarizing it my friend i gave it three and three quarter stars really really good match and i think of these sort of three shows this is one of the matches you absolutely do need to go and check out really really good match and the fact that we are getting matches like this for the future of stardom championship really does bode well for stardom moving forward especially once we get this talent split where people are going to need to step up. We know that Rina and Miyu Amasaki, wherever or whatever company they end up in, they are able to step up. Um, The main event, Matt, I know that that was the other match you wanted to talk about. Hanan Mania running wild, my friend. Yeah, real quick, though. It looks like we're getting Rina versus Hina somewhere down the line because she called out her sister. So that is going to be very interesting because Hina is another one that when she puts wrestling above school, which, again. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, folks. That's kind of but, just possible. Matt, it but, is worth pointing out you saying that. I know I've said this for the last three Rina tile defenses. But she's not going to drop it to Moran on the Cinderella tournament fight, um, opening night. Would be that's sort of a 99% 1% that she's definitely not dropping it. And the 1%, it's professional wrestling. Stuff can always go wrong. But Hina is the only one of that family that hasn't won the Future of Stardom belt. 
out of Rina, Hannon, and Hina. Hina is the only person that has never won it. Can you imagine how awkward that is at Christmas time? Rina and Hannon talking about their respective championship reigns. How many defences have you got? How many defences have you got? What was your best tile match? And Hina's just sitting there, all a lonesome, all quiet, not able to join in on the conversation. Hina is going to take this belt from Rina. Justice for Hina, Matt. Hina's going to win the belt, and then when they have their uh, Easter dinner, uh, Hanan's going to be like, yeah, here's my Cinderella crown. <laughs> Whoa. Like, oh, we're so close. We're so close. And then, and then uh, the father is going to come in, and she's going to go. He's going to go. Are you girls ready? And then Hannah's going to go. Yeah, ha. And he goes, No, I mean for dinner. I mean for dinner. <laughs> I hope that Hannah introducing herself to every single room that she comes into with, "Are you ready?" and then starts singing her own theme as she enters the room. If she doesn't do that, why does she not do that? I'm super excited for Philly Mania if she's on that card. Again, we'll have the roster split, so we don't know which way she's going. If she's on that card, I know that uh, you'll have a few in you, courtesy of the 84,000 drinks that I owe that I uh, owe you for all these uh, bet- terrible bets I do. But I'm excited because more than likely we'll be standing next to each other. If there's a meet and greet or when she comes out, I'm just going to have my phone. I'm going to put it right to your ear. And maybe for a split second, you will think she's coming out to her old theme just to see. Like, wait a minute, what is this? And like, oh, it's just all this vodka that Matt made me drink. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. Imagine. Um, Yeah. Main event, Matt, what did you think? You know, this was, to be honest, when I was watching this this uh, this show, it was kind of a long, long day for me. This was literally like kind of the last thing that I had to do. And you, I was watched the, the co-main event first, which I thought was great. So I, I started this match. And, of course, I'm always excited to watch any wrestling because I love wrestling, especially with these six wrestlers. But I was a little bit exhausted from my day. And the bell rings. And, Rob, you know, it, the little things in wrestling really pop me. And Saya Ida and Yuna start with a phenomenal lockup, like an old school lockup. I'm like, okay, here we go. And then they go for a tackle off. And then they go for chops. And then they usually do the, you know, with the Mayu led stars team, you know where it's going to go, where you're just going to get this crazy uh, six person uh, teamwork from stars. So I was like, all right, you know, I was tired eight seconds ago, but just a lockup and then the tackle off. And then Mayu's like, okay, enough with the hard hitting stuff. Let's get some really cool flashy stuff. I think it was a great way to start this match, a great way to start off this main event, considering they just saw a really, really, the crowd was really, really hot for that future of stardom uh, tag match. So kudos to probably Mayu and Tam and probably Sayori, who kind of put that beginning together. Sayori's stuff with Mayu was great. Yuna Mizumori is a, just another one, very much like Saida, someone that's on the undercard that continues to shine in these multi-person matches when you have main eventers, again, like Mayu, like Tam, like Sayori in there. Obviously, the uh, exchanges with Mayu and Tam are something that uh, we always sit up a little bit more for, and because that's a match we still, you know, they're they're... Their, their stuff has never been settled yet and it's going to be interesting to see them as a tag team in what might be the main event on that Cinderella match but eventually everybody cleared way for Hanan towards the end which I thought was great um, you know her and uh, Yuna's stuff at the end was was terrific Hanan's feed and just the way she's able to make wrestlers look good on uh, the fact she's only 19 years old she made Yuna look like an absolute monster here not that Yuna needed must ha- mu- uh, much help you know I've seen Yuna's praises a lot on this show. In my opinion, she was the most improved wrestler in all of wrestling in 2023. But some of these lariats that she hit Hanan with were just absolutely just brutal. And then ultimately, it's just for Hanan to uh, be able to hit, um, you know, backdrop, two black drop suplexes, especially the uh, backdrop hold 
onto uh, Yuna, which looked absolutely brutal. It looked like she just properly, Steve Williams dropped her on her head. Um, I like the Future of Stardom match maybe just a little bit better, but this one was right there. I gave this one four stars as well, and I like the fact that they gave this one time. Again, 15 minutes, 38 seconds for everybody to tell their story. It's always great seeing Tam and Sayori, you know, team as well. I thought everybody looked good. I thought both uh, teams looked good, but for me, it was just Hanan was the MVP of this match in a great way. Again, it was her, her hometown, too. We mentioned it's Rena's hometown. Well, yeah, they're sisters. Her hometown, too, so great way to send the uh, hometown fans home happy which was a great show backed by two great uh matches back to back in the two main events yeah hannah and rena and hina are from tashigi i believe they're from a different city than utsun and Meyer. i believe it's just down the road and hannah actually says in her post-match promo can we run a show there to president takada and he sort of goes we'll do our best so uh, maybe we'll see hannah and rena and hina in their hometown proper sooner rather than later but again just that brief exchange hannon and sayori anu god it could happen matt it could happen hannon winning the cinderella and challenging sayori anu i was so convinced that it was going to be hazuki and now i just i feel like all of the signs are pointing to hannon and jesus that's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination i'm very very excited about the premise of that yeah, I think I sent you a picture. Somebody sent me like a picture collage of these three matches where they tease the next possible three challengers with like Hazuki and Julia, Hanan and Sarianu, which was a great shot, you know, really pretty much to end this show. And as well as Momo versus Micah. And, you know, Micah is going to be needing some more challengers as we're getting into, you know, coming off the Cinderella, going into the spring and summer months to, to give her, you know, a V2, a V3, a V4. Momo Watanabe, my man, not a bad, not a bad choice, considering the fact how great their match was at Cork and Hall at the end of last year. But, uh, yeah, Sayorianu has a lot on her plate. Potentially, we have this Hana match. Potentially, we have, again, maybe we're betting with our hearts, the Hazuki match. Uh, the Natsupoi thing has been teased. And here's something else, and we'll talk about it next week when we do our preview of the Cinderella tournament. What if Sari pins Sayorianu? Do we get a Sayorianu versus Sari? white belt match somewhere down the road or Hashimoto those are all matches that I think everybody would be interested in so it's really nice to see that there's a lot of people lined up for pretty much all the champions in stardom and every single one is like yeah I'll pay money to see that yeah I'll pay money to see that I can't wait for that oh I can't wait for myself and Rob to talk about that or can't wait for it to review if that match happens so um, stardom again the new booking regime granted they're handed the best roster in all of wrestling but what they've been able to do in the short time that they've had it, they've done a great job. Let's just hope they're able to keep up with it. And with that, Matt Turner, before we get into what is coming up on the 2nd and 3rd of March, because Stardom have announced those cards, the cards for, let me get this right, for Kanazawa and Joetsu. Hoetsu? I think it's Hoetsu. Joetsu? Hoetsu. Joetsu. God bless you. Ketsu. Jotsu. I'm going to call it Joetsu. I'm going to double down and call it Joetsu. I'm sure someone in the comments will tell me I'm wrong, and that's absolutely fine. I'm used to being wrong. I'm British. Um, but we've got those two cards, and we'll go through those shortly. However, Matt Turner, you know what time it is. Are you ready? It's only EO and Kyrie Watch. Are you ready? Dun, dun. Yes, EO and Kyrie watch. So we go to SmackDown on the 23rd, but which, from my understand, it was pre-taped because WWE was in Perth, Australia. 
But they show Dakota Kai coming off a commercial break. She's being helped by two of the trainers. And it looks like she's favoring her knee as she gets to the uh, training room. She, uh, in between two different commercial breaks, Bailey basically tells the trainers to leave. She needs to have a minute with her. Again, we don't know where Dakota Kai is ending up on the side of the Bailey and damage control split. And she says, I didn't see anybody, but I know our, nobody saw it, but I, it was damage control. They took out my knee. Again, they don't show anybody beating up Dakota Kai. They just show Dakota Kai with an injured knee and saying that it was damage control. Bailey then apologizes to go to, to Dakota Kai saying that uh, I didn't trust you because I didn't know, you know, it's difficult for people to trust. I apologize. I know that you're on my side. This next week sets up Rob Dakota Kai and Bailey versus Kyrie and Asuka. Now, if I know WWE booking and I know WWE booking, this clearly shows that Dakota Kai's knee is going to be a hundred percent somewhere down this match. She's going to turn on Bailey. I see it coming a mile away, my friend. So I think that's the way they're going to go with it. Again, keep in mind a couple weeks ago when Dakota Kai chased off Kyrie, EO and Oscar with the chair, she never hit any, any of them. So that would be the psychology behind it. So that's all that happened on SmackDown. However, Elimination Chamber, we do get a WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match on the pre-show as the Kabuki Warriors of Kyrie and Asuka taking on the team of Candice LeRae and the hometown hero of one Indy Hartwell. Now, Rob, believe it or not, my friend, we actually have had some on-site, um, in, you know, in Perth, Australia. We had somebody that gave us some notes all the way in Australia, my friend. So we have, it's not, it's still humbling and blows my mind that we have listeners all over the world that listen to this show. But uh, our good friend of the show, one Ella Dyer, and Ella, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing your name right, who I talked to quite a bit on Instagram, lives down in Australia, and was able to provide some live notes of the show. Uh, and Ella is a big, big Mina Shirakawa fan, as well as Mercedes Monet. And Ella hit me up back in the summertime to tell me that she binge listened to about 20 hours of our podcast in about a week's time, which uh, my wife then said that would be a form of torture. Neither here nor there. <laughs> Ella is a, uh, she's uh, somebody that I do enjoy talking to on a weekly basis. But basically, she sent me some pictures from her seats over there in Perth, Australia, and said the Kabuki Warriors came out to massive booze, but in a good way, because they're supposed to be heels. And Indy Hartwell came out to massive cheers because she is the hometown hero. This match, there really wasn't much to it. They all worked hard. Um, it was very easy story to tell, again, with Indy being the uh, the hometown hero. They shined her up really good in the beginning. Kyrie and Asuka, was, they were able to kind of bump all over for her. Candice LeRae comes in. She gets quick heat on her. Eventually, there's the hot tag to Indy Hartwell. She comes in running amok on both Kyrie and Asuka. Candice does uh, a lion salt onto Asuka for a two count. Indy Hartwell goes to come off the top rope. However, Kyrie pushes her off the top rope. We get some uh, Asuka strikes onto Candice LeRae that eventually leads to the assisted insane elbow from Kyrie. What I mean by assisted, it's Asuka hitting basically the sting scorpion death drop as Kyrie comes off the top rope with the insane elbow. For the three count, again, by no means was it, uh, you know, Crazy Star versus Sayori Poi, but it was an easy story to tell, and the crowd was very hot, again, especially for anything offensive Indy did and anything cheating that Kyrie and Asuka did. So uh, good stuff, a really good way to start the show on the pre-show. And Ella, thank you so much for the uh, the pictures and for the uh, the 
the online, not the online, but basically the live comments that you were sending to me. And thank you so much for all the support that you show the Stardom cast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ella. I can't quite believe that you spend 20 hours listening to mine and Matt's voice, mine especially, because I can get proper nasally. So uh, that's all credit to you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, let's move on then to just quickly going through these two shows that we've got going on this week. As I've mentioned, that first show on the 2nd of March is in Kanazawa, and the card is as follows. Saki Kashima versus Rana Yagami. Sayaka Karora and Yuna Mizumori of Cosmic Angels taking on the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Matani and Miyu Amasaki. Um, Hazuki Hannah and Kogama and Saida stars taking on the Oeletai team of Nats Katora, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. Um, the Queen's Quest team, it is worth noting that Azumi is back from her poor health, which is great. Utami and um, Utami and Azumi versus Meisera and Mei Sakurai. What looks like your semi main event is Julia, Suzu Suzuki, Suryan Marai, and Amisori in a 10 woman elimination tag. Sorry, not elimination, 10 woman tag sorry listen to that for a team just again julia suzu suzuki siori mirai and amisori christ taking on the exv team of mike amina shirakawa zina hanako and waka sukiyama and then in your main event mai wibatani and yuzuki versus siori anu and tam nakano uh, matt what you think of that card Another loaded one, my man. Another loaded one. It's really nice how they're sprinkling all these rookies in with a lot of the main eventers, not only in the uh, the same corner, but the opposite corner. You know, you know that Mayu is going to make sure Yuzuki's looking the best that she does. And, you know, Rana, you know, she's in there with the Sherry and Mirai. They're going to make sure they, they shine them up. So, again, we talk about all the time on the show, the best way you get better at anything in life is with reps, especially when you have certain people like that coaching you to uh, to get better. So another solid show especially with those last two matches. So I'm excited to watch those and uh, call them back with you next week, my friend. And then on the third, which is in the place that is either Joetsu or Hoetsu, I don't know. Um, it is on Sunday, the 3rd of March. We have got the star, uh, the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Matani and Azumi taking on the EXV team of Waka, Sukiyama and Hanako. It is worth noting that it looks like Waka and Hanako are being groomed as the latest challengers to win Gori's new blood titles. Nevertheless, don't think they're winning there. Um, God's Eye team of Suri and Rani Yagami taking on Julia and Mei Sakurai. Mai Wiwitani, Kogama and Sayaida taking on the God's Eye team of Mirai Amisori and Saki Kashima. Um, the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashida and Miyu Amasaki taking on Crazy Star. That's a closet match Ooh. of the night. There you go. Yeah. Closely followed by Micah, Mina, Shirakawa, and Zena taking on Hazuki, Hanan, and Yuzuki. That's going to be really quite tasty as well. And then we've got an A-woman tag as well. Cosmic Angels, Sioriano, Tam Nakano, Sayaka Kurora, and Yuna Mizumori taking on the Aweratai team of Natsukatora, Starlight Kid, Momo, Watanabe, and Ruaka. Um, Matt, obviously, you know, Queen's Quest, Utami and Mew versus Crazy Star. Going to be a fantastic match. Can't wait for that. But that six woman, Micah, Mina Shirakawa and Zena versus Hazuki, Hanan and Yuzuki. Do not sleep on that. That's going to be fantastic. No, I mean, 
Yuzuki more than likely is taking the fall, but you know she's going to look good. She's got really good, and I mentioned make to me- I made I meant to make mention it. Easy, Matt. We've only been podcasting for three hours. Uh, I made to make mention that Mina does a great job with all these rookies, especially with Yuzuki. The seasons like the two of them have some really good low key chemistry, considering the fact they've only been in the ring a few times. So you know that's going to be good. And of course, Hanan in these main event spots, they do a great job making her look fantastic for obvious reasons. And then most importantly, my man, you just have Hazuki violence onto everybody. You know, Zena's just been really bringing the violence since she's been back. Mina is a main eventer. Micah is obviously the main eventer. She's carrying the World of Stardom Championship. But then again, of course, you're across from Hazuki. You're probably, if I have to say my who is my favorite wrestler in all of wrestling, it's probably her for a zillion different reasons. But yeah, those two, uh, those two matches, the QQ versus Crazy Star match, I think I know how it's going to end. But regardless, I don't care. It's going to be terrific. Uh, again, I made mention a few minutes ago about how great the low-key team of uh, Utami and Miyu Amasaki is. And going up against Crazy Star, that's going to be terrific. But yeah, the utter violence and great wrestling we're going to see in that main event is, uh, once again, fa- fine people at Stardom World. Please get those up in a few days so we can watch them and then uh, talk about them on this show next week. Completely, completely agree. Um, And that, believe it or not, actually brings to an end our episode. However, Matt, I have got one last question for you, if you don't mind. Rob Goodwin, you can ask me anything, my man. Go ahead. Julia's new hair, the black long hair that she debuted at the 25th show. Where does that rank for you in the great tier list of Julia's hairstyles? Rob Goodwin, I know that you've kind of, just because you're insanely busy, that you kind of uh, pulled away a little bit from roundtable discussion. I don't know if we should give this one away. This one should be a roundtable discussion. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'm a charitable man. Where It just goes to show you how amazing Julia is. She's literally made all these, all these different hairstyles and different styles work for her between the Orange Julius, between G.I. Julia. Uh, my favorite, maybe just because I love Hana Kimura, is when she had the Hana Kimura braids and the official, unofficial, official uh, Hana Kimura tribute match she had with Konami back at the very first Dream Queendom. That one's probably number one. Number two is probably when she won the red belt and she had like her hair just straightened out and the red streaks in there. This one might be up there. You know, my sister-in-law is a hairdresser. So what I might do, Rob, is I might take all 84 of her hairstyles over the last four <laughs> years and send them into my sister-in-law. I'm like, can you rank these for me? So now, because again, Rob, obviously when it comes to writing and having facts, you're the professional. When it comes to professional wrestling and talking about psychology of how to break down somebody's bum, that's my go-to. <laughs> Maybe when it comes to hairstyles, my man, I got somebody in the family. This is what makes the stardom cast so great, my friend, is we can just go to ask anybody for certain things and you'll get some sort of nonsense one way or another. But uh Julia, this looks fantastic. Again, it just goes to show the confidence she oozes. It doesn't matter what hairstyle they put her in or what gimmick they put her in. She just makes it work. And it's just a credit to just one of the best talents we've seen in wrestling. Like, she's just unbelievable. But how about you, my man? I mean, to be fair, you've said that, and I completely agree, to the point where Tam actually started or continued the feud with Julia after she'd shaved Julia's head at Budokan, because even with half her hair shaved, she still looked cool. She still pulled that hairstyle off. Um, she comes out looking, she comes out bald, freshly shaved head, still looks like a badass. 
So literally any hairstyle it apparently Julia can pull off. It's up there, the dark black hair. I don't think it's quite as cool as uh, that. I know it's really niche um choice for me but i think the budokan style where she got half her head shaved she just looked really cool really badass and uh, it was an accidental hairstyle so there you go and that ladies and gentlemen is why i'm not a hairdresser um but ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening let us know where your tier or what your tier list is of julia hairstyles because of course that is the most important thing happening in stardom at the moment um uh, we can't wait to hear your feedback thank you so much for listening thank you to everyone that subscribes um if you haven't you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts if you could leave us a review a five-star review and a comment would massively massively help us out um if you haven't already subscribed to the patreon stardom uh, patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast you can join up for as little as a dollar where you will get all of these episodes early and ad free as well as all the audio of our alternate commentaries as well phenomenal value for a singular dollar a month if i do say so myself um check out the revamped website start the stardomcast.com you can check out all our social medias at the stardom cast um uh, and you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwing i'm hoping that i will have a full release date for chasing the dream next week i am shooting for the middle of march but fingers crossed things can change after all this is pro wrestling but matt turner time is off good sir Absolutely, folks. I just want to let everybody know, and this is probably the perfect place for it, that Sayori Point is not the only tag team making their return on the 9th of March. Yes, myself and Andy Hedder, <laughs> Team Blue and Gold, will be returning to professional wrestling in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, for extreme hybrid wrestling. So if you're in the northeastern Pennsylvania area, come on out. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to be there, let me know. Um, I will make sure I've supplied myself with plenty of merchandise and the new Stardom Cast QR code stickers. So again, that is the third, the ninth, three nine, three nine, the ninth of March. Myself and Andy Header will be returning uh, as a tag team to the independent scene. So I'm super looking forward to that. But other than that, questions, comments, any suggestions, let me know. Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. You want to shoot me an old-fashioned email, that's perfectly fine as well. The Stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, once again, I cannot say thank you enough for the fantastic support that you show, both myself and Rob, on a daily basis. Your positive remarks really means the world to us and just gives us the fuel to make this the best podcast it possibly can be. Because like I always say, folks, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different. Everybody's special.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.